0: of so the genre equality podcast on the genre equality channel i'm hitzer
1: i'm Isa i'm hardy <laughs> <laughs> <practice> uh,
0: <laughs> yes uh those are hardy and Isa not necessarily in that order mm-hmm. you can match your voices to their names exactly. later on uh this just a little in joke because we keep messing up our intros <laughs> we've forgotten the order to to go in mm-hmm. But it's it's here. It's Isa. It's Hardy. We are all here. The gang is all back. It's a it's a it's a three part panelist once again. For a while now, uh, like yeah, for it's been for a while now. I mean, Hardy did miss um one of the oh, one yeah, of I the did. recordings. I did.
2: I did. Yeah.
0: Uh, unfortunately, you missed uh, our our review of Severance. We actually never did get your rating on Severance. Ten Hadi, out like, ten. For for official <laughs> consensus reasons, it's ten out of ten, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, because the the 10 out of 10s that I give individually are not, consens- not consensus, yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah, yeah. You, you need at least two out of the three la, to, to make it a legit fucking S-tier show yeah. uh, of which is. It
2: is, definitely.
0: I know, well, we, we aren't here to talk about Sevens though, mm-hmm. there's so much to talk about this month. Uh, Summer season is uh, in full swing, which means San Diego Comic Con is back for its first non-COVID live events over in san diego and we'll talk about some of the highlights trailers news that popped up from sdcc over the past few weeks plus we'll talk about all the big blockbusters like tall love and thunder um over on the tv side we got miss marvel that just recently wrapped up the boys which just recently wrapped up and the orville season three which is in the midst of wrapping up just one more two more episodes left as of this recording uh, plus I'll talk about, you know, some of the indie stuff that some of my co-hosts have not seen mm-hmm. yet, you know, like Crimes of the Future, The Witch 2, Solar Opposite Season 3, uh, and so on and so forth. I saw will also be delving into Resident Evil and the Sea Beast, uh, so, yeah, I mean, lots to talk about here. Let's begin, though, with a bit of news, lah, like a bit of, um... We we have we haven't covered Comic Con news in so long because <laughs> Comic Cons have been gone for two years. Yeah. Um, and it's nice to see you know all those big panels back, huge crowds in Hall H over in San Diego. Yeah. Um, the, a lot of big stuff was announced, man. Lots of big stuff was announced. Uh, but let's not get into the Marvel stuff first because that's clearly the highlight sure. from the last day of Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Let's get into some of the bits and pieces that caught my eye. Firstly is something that concerns Hardy and Isa because it's not it's not my fault oh, yes. but um, yeah. the first ever Dungeons and Dragons movie, second oh <laughs> uh, okay, I'm sorry second ever Dungeons and Dragons movie uh, it's out it's called Dungeons and Dragons Honor Amongst Thieves uh, the trailer debuted at mm-hmm. SDCC yeah um, I was pleasantly surprised by the quality of the trailer. Um, it's Paramount Pictures. It's mm-hmm. Hasbro Entertainment. Yeah. Um, it looks like a. It looks like an action-packed heist movie with a star-studded cast. Mm-hmm. You guys have any thoughts as uh, as our resident Dungeons Come and on. Dragons experts? here?
1: <laughs> what do you think, Hadi? What are on. your initial thoughts?
2: First of all, Chris Pine playing a but. I mean, he loves it.
1: Yeah, sure. Right. Like yeah. it's. Uh, for me, especially when I run games, like it's a given that all your characters are hot right yeah. uh, and Chris Pine as a bard totally makes sense uh, yep. we will see if he tries to seduce any uh, dragons but uh, I hope so. uh, hopefully fingers crossed mm-hmm. um, yeah outside of that any any thoughts uh, hopes wishes prayers I <laughs> mean okay first of all if you remember the first movie yeah uh, uh, the one with
2: Jeremy Irons mm, oh uh, yes just saying uh, that was a clusterfuck oh yeah, yeah <laughs> but like yeah. in a weird way it is it is sentimental as well Mm-hmm. Like mm. it was, it's those kind of like straight to DVD kind of movies. Even though it, it was released in theaters, like but yep. that was the quality yep. of it, la. You know, yep. so it's never been a good D movie ever. Mm. Um, this does bring some uh panache and some uh, uh quality to it, right? With the cast and all that, and mm-hmm. come on, the cast—you grunt as a rogue, right? <laughs> uh, uh, John Page—I can't pronounce very J. Rodriguez, how you pronounce his name?
1: The Bridgerton fella. Rennie? Ah, Bri- yeah,
0: um yeah. Yeah,
2: uh, yeah. So uh the, the Bridgerton guy, right, playing a paladin, you know, like oh. yep. and obviously Michelle Rodriguez will be a barbarian. Like it just makes sense. <laughs> so I mean like the pipe casting of the characters are great. Yeah, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um the, the 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 monster designs from what I can see from the trailer looks epic. Like right? yep. everything mm-hmm. kind of just fits really well. I mean, I don't know what the hell the story is about. I mean, they release some evil and they have to put it back in or something like that. Yeah. Uh, sure. sure. Uh, but from what I see from this just this, this, uh, three-minute trailer, I'm kind of excited uh, uh, for the movie itself. La. I believe mm-hmm. that... Um, I mean, they, they did uh, work with Wizards of the Coast very closely with the storyline as well. Yeah. Uh, so mm-hmm. I think uh, the, a lot of the setting will be at Baldur's Gate from mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, sorry, not Baldur's gate, uh, Waterdeep. Sorry. Yeah. City uh, from of Splendor, baby. Yeah, you know, from what we can see. So hopefully uh it lives up to expectations, but yeah. you know, I'm I'm still holding back, you know, from <laughs> expecting too much from this.
1: Yeah. But, uh my I'm I'm setting the bar low, right? Given how I mean you put Jeremy Irons in a in the Dungeon Dragon movie and still exactly. stuff like that. Yeah. Uh I, I think the CGI in the trailer looks great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think it is a fairly interesting cast that they're putting together. Like there, is, is. there is some weight behind that, both in terms of like action and uh, acting uh, ability. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure how. I'm not sure how great the. The, the the dialogue is going to be necessarily, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, and and I think one of the things I've always struggled with is that Dungeons & Dragons is such a strange experience to yes. explain to people. Yes. Even if you're telling other players who aren't at your table, right? Reliving that experience is very, very difficult. I'll be it's interested funny. to see if they can uh, uh, try and capture just a little bit of the essence of the sh- kind of shenanigans that go on, right? Okay. Uh, diving into a GQ, is ridiculous that
2: was yeah so i was thinking why uh, what was that strategy right there yeah. but then that kind of also is the player agency yeah. that happens on tables also yeah like the yeah. unexpectedness of like you know people jumping into a ge- gelatinous cube yeah like you exactly. know it's gonna cause acid damage and you're gonna be uh you're, you're gonna be stuck in that for a while you know yeah so, so yeah so that's an interesting twist like I mean, I, I hope they they do play on that player agency thing,
1: Yeah, I, I, so I'm definitely gonna watch it. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get my expectations high. I have heard there will be numerous kind of um cameo appearances from mm-hmm. CR peeps, from D twenty peeps, and stuff like that. Oh wow! Okay. Um, so I'm super interested to see where they show up if they do show up. I'm super mm-hmm. interested to see how uh it kind of goes down. I mean, like mm-hmm. uh, thanks to Stranger Things, there has been a resurgence of yep. interest in Dungeons & Dragons. So I think the release of this film Makes uh, is, well, well-timed, mm-hmm. to say the least. Uh, but we'll see if it garners any fans. Uh, sure. I'm I'm curious, but I'm definitely going to the cinema to check it out. And Hadi and I will definitely be reviewing this on Genre Equality 100%. sometime mm. uh, down the line. In, in
0: 2023. Yeah, um, over in the live panel, the, the panelists were very... um. A beat over the success of this Dungeons and Dragons film, particularly because they are they they quite admit that lots of people, uh, the reason this was possible is because critical role is out there and has um you know made Dungeons and Dragons um the the streaming Twitch kind of hit that it is mm-hmm. you know yeah uh for for live role playing you know um right. and. Of course, you know, as you mentioned, Stranger Things and all that. So it's brought D&D back into the limelight. Uh, eager to see how it fares in the box office and whether or not it is good, which remains to be seen yeah. next year. Um, Other little bits of highlights from SCCC 2022, of course, is uh, Avatar The Last Airbender will be getting an animated movie mm-hmm. uh, featuring Aang and the original crew and the original voice cast coming back for a two-hour film on Netflix uh, this is distinct. This is separate oh, from yeah. the live action adaptation. Exactly. This is a con this is a continuation of Avatar the Last Airbender set after the TV show, but yep. you know, several years before Legend of Korra. Mm-hmm. It follows uh, Aang and his friends as young adults oh, here. Yeah. Um any he thoughts about this?
2: Wow. Uh the creators <laughs> are the same guys, right? Yes.
0: Uh Michael Di and Brian Cornetko yeah, no are not,
2: not. involved ah, wait, what?
0: in this. Yes, they walked away from the Avatar franchise. Oh, they quit no, no, because, uh, no. but they quit because of the live action Netflix yep. TV show. But because of that, they got they don't get to work on this either. No.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I I'm curious, right? Um, no. to see how how that's gonna work out. Like, uh, I've expressed skepticism really about the live action one. But if they're gonna do another animated one, and I mean, just from like the couple of mm. like. Uh, um, artworks that we've seen so far it looks good but sure. honestly you know so much of the heart and soul of that had to do with the showrunners right exactly uh, and yeah. and the, the entire kind of vision and the kind of like just the general um, um direction f- direction and vibe that they have kept consistent throughout so many seasons of Avatar and then later on mm. in Korra as well mm. so uh, it looks good I mean we don't have that much information yet so we'll see I guess uh, when that comes out, I will watch oh, it. But whether or not I'll like it is a different thing,
2: so. Yeah, I mean that one. Without the showrunners, I'm not sure. Like, I mean, look at the Last Yeah. Oh the God! Movie. I mean,
1: we don't right? mention that here. That's that's exactly. like taboo
2: So like Night uh, shambles. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then with the, all the Netflix controversy and all that, I'm not very uh, confident on it, lah. But um, yeah, I won't say mm-hmm. anything maybe until it comes out, and then we will mm-hmm. judge when it comes out, lah.
1: Exactly. Yes,
0: yeah, absolutely. You know, um I don't really have much to say about the DC panels, you know, there's the Black Adam trailer. Black, yeah. Um cool. they they scattered they scattered around the Ezra Miller issue quite well, um and everything else. I I generally am not that excited for DC um upcoming lineup. If you are, you know, know this to you. Yeah, sure. Um I'm I'm hap- I'm happy about that, I mean, but I just don't have much to say about it. For me,
2: you know, I'm a huge fan of The Rock. I watch everything that The Rock is in, so yep. I'm excited for Black Adam. La.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, and and whenever Flashpoint comes out, um, it should be interesting. I know Michael Keaton is in it, you mm-hmm. know. So um, that's a highlight. If you know, if yeah, oh, uh, yeah, but Ezra Miller, you know, <laughs> it's, we, we you don't know you don't know what's gonna happen in this world. Mm. Um,
2: it can go either uh,
0: way. It can go either way. Um, okay, before we get off into the Marvel Cinematic Universe so, panel, let's let's go adjacent to it. There had there was a separate panel uh, for Marvel Animation, mm, not yes, yes, Cinematic yes. Universe, but Marvel Animation, mm-hmm. particularly. Um, they they screened the first episode of What If season two, yeah, um, which is Captain Carter's very own Winter Soldier story. Um, it's been getting great reviews out there uh, for people from people who have seen it. Uh, obviously, Steve Rogers is the Winter Soldier here. Uh, and he is a Mecca, Steve Rogers, um, <laughs> taking on Captain Carter. So that looks good. Yep. The trailer also has um, some glimpses of 1602, which is a new Gaiman's version of the Marvel Universe. Mm. Uh, so they're going to have a couple episodes on that. That looks fun as well. But the highlight of the Marvel animated panel is that X-Men 97 uh, is coming back. Oh, yeah. Uh, X-Men 97 is launching with... Not just a new series, but it's a direct continuation from the nineteen ninety seven no. animated children show. Yeah, like mm-hmm. from the
2: later season continuation or the season before that, before they went to the Philippines to do the animation. Uh
0: all that is canon. It's continuation oh, oh, from the shit. final season. Oh, yeah.
2: okay, that's dope. Okay, yeah,
0: yeah. So, so this is uh the season that would have come after that. All right, uh,
2: okay, ballsy. Yeah, I like that.
0: Yep. It's called X Men '97. The original voice cast is back. The original oh, writing team is back. That's cool. Uh, everyone is back. Uh, we saw a bit of some of the artwork and trailers. Not not trailers. Uh, um, s- s- um, sketches and uh, you know like artwork and boards. You know stuff like that. Uh, the character designs and everything looks exactly the same as it does with X Men '97, with a few minor improvements. It looks more fluid. It looks more dynamic. You know, obviously technology has come a long way since then. Uh, what do you guys think about the return of X Men '97 here?
2: Oh wow, um, it's interesting. I mean, it's in line with what Marvel Comics is doing. Uh, they had a series of new art uh, of the old X Men, but like redone for today. Mm-hmm. Right. So I guess it makes sense, lah. Um, I mean, come on, that's nostalgia bit right there, man. Yep. Right. Um. Yeah, I can't wait. I mean. I mean the janky animation. In the last season was kind of endearing, lah. <laughs> la. Yep. So yeah. I want to see what they do with it. You know. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I am I'm, I'm interested. I I don't know. I'm, I'm not like super excited about it, but I'm I'm definitely it has piqued my interest.
0: Um, outside of the Spider Man cartoon in the 90s, I think X Men was probably and the Batman yeah. the animated series. Of course, mm. was the the premiere the the Holy Trinity, lah, shall we say, of 90s. So, I mean, yeah, Batman cartoon. was like
2: the quality number one, la. Then the other two. Yeah.
0: Batman almost belongs in the League of its exactly. own, so it's, 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 it's a bit unfair to compare <laughs> these shows to Batman yeah. but I mean X-Men and Spider-Man were, were right Long up Long there Long as Long well, well.
2: Like back in the day
0: obviously yeah you know like the Mount Rushmore I think the, the two Batman shows uh, Batman Beyond as well yeah. and Spider-Man and, and X-Men yeah. right Um, so yeah like, like I said this picks up after the final episode graduation day Xavier is off planet Magneto is at the helm um, we have no idea where things are going to go but it sounds fun like I said the original showrunners are back too along with the original voice oh, wow. cast so uh, that sounds right. Ninety-seven voice uh, cast, ninety-seven voice casts, ninety-seven writers
2: and show writers.
1: Okay, okay, yeah, okay. they're That's all back. interesting. So, yeah, I, I for one, regardless of how this is going to go, am excited just to see it in the same style and continuing the story, right? Because I do feel like uh, outside, outside of um, outside of Batman, I think a lot of uh, my favorite nineties cartoons ended kind of like strangely at the end of one season and like it it didn't end on a cliffhanger it just ended like spider-man is a great example of that they went into a madam web thing and then the series just disappeared right it Mm -hmm. felt the same way a lot with uh x-men uh and i'm really really hoping to see a continuation of that and i'm not sure if i'm down for updates necessarily if they don't make sense especially if they're claiming it to be a continuation instead of a reboot uh, but yeah, mm. definitely uh, hoping to hear that amazing theme song once again, uh, yeah, you know, uh, and with everything that has gone down, like even if they're keeping to the same style, seeing that shit in HD, hell yeah, let's bring it on. Uh, I'm I'm curious and I'm hopeful, uh, mm-hmm. but we'll, we'll see how it goes, right? And in general, like just like more mutants means, you know, very soon we're going to have, you know, mutants uh, in, in MCU. So I'm down for yep. that as well. I mean, yeah, yeah um, I'm down to.
0: Speaking of, speaking of the MCU, you know, um, X-Men 97 is not the biggest news to come no. out on the Marvel panel. The main Marvel panel was in Hall H on Saturday, so yesterday our time. And it revealed not just trailers, but the upcoming calendar for the rest of Phase 4, Phase 5... And Phase 6, <laughs> uh, what they're now dubbing the Multiverse Saga, the continuation or the sequel to the Infinity Saga, which was Phase 1, 2, and 3. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's been uh, some slight shake-ups, but for the most part, uh, we know I think 80% of what was coming out alongside a couple of new surprises here. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has been revealed that the Black, Panda, Black Panther sequel, Wakanda Forever, mm-hmm. will now be the final installment of Phase 4. So Wakanda Forever, coming out later this yep, year, yep. will be the final part of Phase 4. Um, obviously the trailer has shown that namor is there Mm -hmm. um riri williams ironheart was in the trailer as well so that's quite exciting it looks like it's a wakanda versus atlantis war going on um looks fun um the third end man and the wasp movie called quantum mania will begin phase five Mm -hmm. according to kevin feige in on february 17th yeah we know kang is going to be the villain in that film yep um, they've announced MODOK as a secondary villain for that film as well mm. uh, Bill Moray is in the movie in an undisclosed role <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll Wait, see what happens there like good
2: TV world uh, no no, no. Uh, this,
0: this is the MCU MODOK yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I mean MODOK in TV exists but it's, in the, it's, a, it's part of the multiverse
2: Oh, yeah. okay.
0: but this is the MCU MODOK which will be making his debut in uh, Ant-Man and the Consul Yes. Uh after that on spring twenty twenty three, we have Secret Invasion yep. on Disney Plus. It is a not a movie; it's a series with Nick Fury and Telos. Uh it's described as a conspiracy thriller where Skrulls have infiltrated Earth at the highest levels. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, Amelia Clark and Oliver Coleman are in the cast. It looks great. Um, yeah, I mean, th- th- this sounds like it's going to be a fun uh little spy thriller. Um. Uh, at at a big event uh, on the TV scale Uh, following that on May 5th there is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and it has been confirmed that this will be the final iteration of the Guardians none of the actors and James Gunn are coming back Mm -hmm. Uh, so this is a swan song for Guardians of the Galaxy Um, looking forward to that as well Summer of 2023 it debuts with Echo uh, which will be the first show of summer in 2023. Mm-hmm. Echo of your city a spin-off of the Hawkeye show. Uh uh Maya Lopez is back. Uh Vincent D'Onofrio and Charlie Cox are confirmed oh, wow. to be in the show as Kingpin and Daredevil. That's cool. Uh they skirted around many fan questions about whether Jessica Jones will be in it. Um some of the leaks apparently purport the, the plot to be uh Daredevil looking for a missing Jessica Jones, that is the story of the of the Echo series. Um looks to be great. Uh Loki season two is also um on tap for the summer of twenty twenty-three. Got no new details on that. Uh on July twenty-eighth, also in the summer, is the Marvels, which will be near the Costa's uh cinematic. MCU debut, uh which will team up Kamala Khan with Carol Danvers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh in the Marvels. Uh November third, twenty twenty three, we'll have Blade finally Mahashala Ali mm-hmm. as the half vampire, vampire hunter. Uh looks great. The fall of twenty twenty three is I the Ironheart Heart series on this oh, series Okay. Uh, yeah, it will follow Riri Williams, nice. obviously, which, who will debut in Wakanda forever. Um, She's the young engineering student who makes a super iron suit like Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, she will be played by newcomer Dominic Forn, uh, who was previously in If Bill Street Could Talk. Uh, and then in the winter of 2023, we got Agatha Coven of Chaos. Oh, yeah. Uh, the MVP of Vision is here with her own show. Um, Kevin Feige was quite plain in saying that no one expected uh, Agatha to be as... Uh, to take off as she did, uh, yeah. Then they do like, you yeah, know, fuck it lah. Let's make a show about her. Why not? Uh spring of twenty twenty four though is is in my opinion the biggest thing mm-hmm. that came out of the panel. The the, the only new announcement, mm-hmm. Daredevil is not just going to be guest starring in uh, Echo. Daredevil is getting his own show. BBC's. It's called Daredevil: Born Again. Uh, Charlie Cox reprises his role Vincent D'Onofrio returns uh, We don't know what type of Daredevil Was in the MCU Or whether the Daredevil Netflix show Was in 616 Um, The the MCU universe Or whether it was a different Daredevil yeah. I suppose that will be cleared up In the coming months and years yeah. uh, May 3rd, 2024 Captain America, New World Order A.K.A. Captain America 4 Will follow Sam Wilson uh, As his first solo movie uh, July 26,
3: 2024
0: <laughs> After all that time, yeah, yeah. I, they're filming right now, You know. know? Uh so eager to see that. Yeah. Uh July 26, 2024, phase five ends yep. with not an Avengers movie, but a Thunderbolts movie oh, yeah. that will see the villains and anti-heroes from the TV shows and movies team up. Uh this movie adaptation looks to be interesting. I didn't I didn't <laughs> I don't I I didn't foresee this as the as the climax to phase five, yeah. but We'll see where it goes. Phase six kicks off with Fantastic Four on November 8th, 2024. Yeah. Uh, obviously, after um Jim from the office cameoed in uh <laughs> multiverse of madness, uh John Krasinski. I mean, um, this is this was a gimme. Um, we all expected this to well, happen. I thought Jim
2: was a FBI agent in uh oh. Wonder Vision. Oh
1: god, I knew that was coming. <laughs> <coughs> I knew that was That's coming. That's true. <laughs> yes.
0: Uh, hopefully they get to be on screen together. Yeah, they? that'd
2: be freaking awesome.
0: Right. Uh, and Phase Six culminates with not one but two Avengers movies. Yeah, this looks to be a two part, a two parter, much like Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah. The first part is called the Kang Dynasty. Uh, the second part is called Secret Wars. Um, and the image for Secret Wars is from Jonathan Hickman's run. So, boy, that was a big one. I don't know how they're going to do this. Uh, yeah, uh, it, lo- <laughs> I it does look way. like. It, look, it does look like a solid plan though. I mean, what are your highlights? What are your thoughts about uh phase four, five, and six that they've announced? I mean, Uh let's let's begin with you, Adi.
2: Uh, okay. I mean phase four, I think, is quite uh standard, like we already knew what was coming and all that stuff.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, there's only one thing left. Yeah, right? exactly.
2: So no issues there. Uh the trailer was freaking epic. Uh um, yeah. I mean, what wow, that no man, no woman, no cry, you know, and then oh mm. my god.
0: Bob Mali, Kendrick Lamar, Mash. Oh, Amazing. Yeah. Right.
2: And then that feeling, I mean. Even in the trailer, you know, this is not even the movie. The trailer itself, you know, that 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 celebration of Chadwick Boseman as as Black Panther and mm. all that at the beginning, I can't wait for that. I mean, nostalgia. I mean, I, I'm just waiting for how they're going to introduce Namor and the Atlanteans, Because absolutely, I mean, yep. there's some Aztec Mayan kind of thing going on. Mm. Sure, yeah. yeah. So that'll be interesting. Um, yep. So yeah, that's for phase four. I mean She Hulk also is in phase four, right? Uh
0: yeah, She Hulk is uh, coming out in a couple of weeks. Yeah
2: in August. Um yep. yeah, so that's looking forward to all that definitely. But I think phase five has so much um like you know, like what you're saying, like Daredevil, Iron Heart, Secret Invasion, Echo. Yeah. It's just littered, like the entire year is so busy, you know, there's no like break for us.
0: Yeah. Uh, the the Marvels uh, season two of Loki season uh the the farewell to Guardians of like see it, it looks to be a very stacked it's year, like, next year
2: man you know and yeah. I, I'm guessing late is next year too exactly 2023 is yeah. insane uh, yeah. so I can't wait for that shit uh will be in Wakanda forever right hmm
0: Riri will debut there yes debut like,
2: I mean it won't be like a huge role or whatever I think but
0: Pro- probably not yet yeah.
2: I hope her her, her 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 Iron Man suit will be the Gundam inspired suit that she created the first time. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do hope we yeah. get to see that. Yes, <laughs> but apart
2: from that, yeah, um, yeah, looking forward to the MCU, definitely. Uh, the Phase Five, uh, the Phase Six. I mean, it's still you know quite a... too far into the future for me to really like look forward for it. Um, uh, it's
0: it's three years away, though. Exactly. So it's not that it's not far, that far
2: future, but, but still, yeah. you know, I want to see how we get through Phase Five first.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah,
2: and I uh, see what what are the uh ideas and what are the storylines that are going to be established in phase 5 before I can mm-hmm. get really excited for phase 6.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. right, right. Uh what about you Aisha?
1: Oh, wow. Uh, uh is absolutely right. We're going to be really busy uh, with <laughs> just Marvel stuff next year. Uh, stuff I'm looking forward to. Uh, curious about Secret Invasion and how they're gonna do that. I think they went the right direction with doing it as a series, just because like mm. Secret Invasion had so much, right? And also we know that with Secret Invasion, the possibility of bringing on several very big characters from the comics uh, becomes uh, uh, reality, right? Mm. Uh, if yep. they decide to do that, uh, excited to see uh, you know Nick Fury back to his antics <laughs> with uh, with Talos. Uh, yeah. and uh, I am I'm, I really really hope uh, it's as good as I imagine it could be uh, for that yeah uh, Guardians of the Galaxy hoping to see kind of like a wrap up for that I'm glad they're kind of wrapping it up I think that we do need something new in that space literally and figuratively speaking uh, I'm guessing sure. like some Adam Warlock stuff is going to go on
2: right yeah, they'll
0: be wrapping up their storyline. Yes. Yeah,
1: so uh, I I want to see where that goes. Uh, I want to see if they any they tie in any more kind of like cosmic related stuff that they brought up in Eternals, maybe. Oh yeah, um, about that? yeah. Curious yep. about that. Uh, just fresh off the Miss Marvel hype. Super excited for the Marvels. It's a bit of a wait. Uh, mm-hmm. but I'm curious how that goes. Super super excited to see how uh our young star manages on the Aww. big screen. Yeah, man. Uh, because she's done really, really well on the small screen and I want to see you know, yeah, uh, where she goes from there. Uh, yep. Loki season 2, we'll see. Uh, Blade, excited. Ironheart, one of my favourite kind of like new characters uh, in the comics in, yeah. in recent times, so super excited for that. Awesome. I think uh, Daredevil, I'm super curious how they're going to do that. Mm. Uh, Captain America New Order, when I saw the poster for that, right, I was just like, are we going to do Hydra Cap? Can we do Hydra Cap? Um, mm. you know just because New Order kind of like sounds in that direction but, yeah, but we then, like, probably Hydra's never dead, will right? yeah I know I know but still like the Hydro Cap like uh, arc was awesome so thing. good it was so good yeah what I'm really excited about actually is Thunderbolts uh, much yeah. like you hits I'm very uh was very surprised for that to be announced Thunderbolts would
2: the... be led by uh, Winter Soldier right?
1: I uh, don't no, think so. um, It's agent, US agent. Yeah, US Agent. Oh, US
2: Agent. Oh, okay. So it wasn't... Yeah. A, okay, it's not, uh, not Bucky's Thunderbolts. La.
1: Yeah, but I mean, like, no, no. the cast is stacked. Uh, right? Mm-hmm. You got Florence yeah. Pugh, you got Tim Roth, you got, uh, I mean, like, Sebastian Stan, oh, and all I'm of so that. So is coming in. Yeah, uh, I'm super yeah. excited to see that. I don't know what Olga Kurylenko's Taskmaster is going to do, very honestly, <laughs> but sure.
0: Uh, um, Technically, though no, It's not really US agent's team It's uh, Julia Lewis D'Arcester's <laughs> team yes. Oh, that's true Veep's team um, Yeah I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, yeah, it's Veep's team Selena Meyers May- team
2: Then uh, <laughs> where's her back man? Oh no, she fired him
0: Yeah, yeah uh, I would love to see Gary, Gary Walsh in there as well uh, Tony Hill Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, but Thunderbox looks great because it's, uh it's MCU's first ever anti-hero. Mm. Yeah. Um I assume they're going to do a more, slightly more serious version of Suicide Squad, you know, kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um yeah, with you know Yelena as in the uh, Taskmaster Abomination, US Agent, um, and probably more villains that they will be setting up in the upcoming shows and movies sure. so, yeah. so. Um you to see how that. Goes. Yeah, so fingers uh, crossed.
1: Um yeah, yeah. and yes, we're going to yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Yeah, the first family coming back to Marvel um mm. Fingers crossed, I mean, like, we've seen so many bad Fantastic Four movies at this point in time. You know, whatever they can give us that isn't that, I'm fine with. But again, all these things are, like, kind of far off into the future. Right now, I'm just psyched for Wakanda Forever, and I'm curious where, where we're going to go. Uh, I have a feeling that even what they teased is just a little bit on the surface, especially if we're going to end Phase 4 on it. Um, yep. So, fingers crossed we get uh, everything that they teased and even more.
0: Right, you know, um, a great way to r- transition from SDCC to our main episode. Mm. Uh, our first topic here is Thor, Love and Thunder, which is, of course, the latest MCU film and the fourth entry in the Thor franchise, directed once again by Taika Waititi. Uh, Love and Thunder finds Thor, played by Chris Hemsworth, on a journey, uh, unlike anything he's ever faced before, um, a quest for inner peace. Uh, he is efe- effectively retired and trying to find himself, but that retirement is interrupted by a galactic killer, Gore the God Butcher, played by Christian Bale, who seeks the extinction of the gods, of any god, in any pantheon, in any world, mm. uh, to combat the threat, Thor Endless, the help of King Valkyrie, Tessa Thompson, Korg, his ex-girlfriend jane foster who is now the mighty thor uh inexplicably wielding the his magical hammer Mionia. Mm-hmm. um together they embark upon this cosmic adventure to uncover the mystery of the god butcher's vengeance and stop him before it's too late let's begin with you isa uh what are your overall thoughts on thor love and thunder oh man
1: uh i love the costumes uh love the return yeah. of the characters Same. love uh broken molnia is so cool so mm-hmm. so cool uh all of that is great uh but shout out to Christian Bale who didn't give a shit and just basically acted the hell out of his role in his own movie while everything else was going on yeah uh yeah cuz like <laughs> god god didn't belong in this movie god god needed his own movie uh and it was that well done um so much so that it completely created this incredible dissonance for me um yeah. seeing Thor and Gang uh kind of like fight go uh overall i had fun i had fun with it i think there were a lot of kind of like visual aspects to it that i really kind of enjoyed and was taken by uh but it wasn't as funny as Mm. i thought it would be coming off the back of ragnarok right Mm. i still think ragnarok is is still more objectively funny for all of that uh just um yeah, you know. Uh, otherwise, I think like much, much like other movies in this phase, uh, it's been okay, right? Uh, yeah. you know, certainly not one of the great Marvel movies that we've had, uh, and not even one of the great Thor movies we've had. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, can't say it's very middle in the pack, but overall, a fun watch and uh, kind of like a great addition to the lore.
2: Uh, what about you, Heidi? Agreed. I mean, first of all. Y'all know, okay. I mean, no spoilers first. Okay, the movie itself, I feel, uh, I mean, off the back of Ragnarok, we are expecting something of equal or even better kind of like value, Mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And to an extent, I think it tried to deliver on that. You know, trying to continue on the Ragnarok tradition. Mm -hmm. However, I felt uh, this movie was trying to do a lot in one in us in too much maybe at mm-hmm. times yeah. yeah, you know uh, yeah. I mean because they were trying to introduce a whole other side of Marvel that that has been kind of introduced in in, in Moonlight you know the whole gods and all that yeah mm. but like it was very hastily done it, it didn't feel very it felt very pushed on instead of a living breathing kind of uh, part of the universe like, the whole god thing just felt very weirdly placed. Mm. Uh, So, the Ex-Guardians are gods again? I thought they're not gods. You know, like... I mean, if you remember what uh, Odin said, like, back in, like, Thor 1, you know? Yeah. Yep. You know, that kind of thing. So, there was a bit of, like, this uh, weird... Uh, like, I think dissonance, like, yeah, you're right, la. Um, In terms of, like... But then, like, the cameos were really, like... Wait, <laughs> like, Russell Crowe as Zeus... <laughs> Uh, was something that I didn't know that I needed. <laughs> <laughs> just really scene-stealing. It's just that the problem was that it wasn't a very long scene.
1: Yeah. yeah. You
2: know? Uh, and then uh, the other, obviously, yeah, introducing the gods, you know, uh, going through the adventure. And then, I don't know, I just felt it was fun, but uh, it could have been so much better, I felt. That's all. Yeah.
0: yeah uh, Taika ta, Waititi was the wrong director for this particular film. Um really, right? Yeah, you're right. He, yeah, his style is not suited to telling this particular story with two very, very emotional f- through lines with its two main characters. Um, the God, the God story is dark, heavy. Mm-hmm. And dramatic, mm. the mighty Thor Jane Foster story. Um, if you followed, uh, you know her comic friend, is, he? mm-hmm. is heavy and tragic uh, and very depressing. Uh, Taika Watiti gets his own way. Uh, gets in his own story's way with his insistence on undercutting everything with jokes. Um, that would have been bad. Be- that would have been fine if the jokes were better. Mm. In this case, it leaned very heavily into jokes, and I would say like seventy-five percent of the jokes were either mediocre or didn't work at all. Yeah. Um some of it did work, some of it didn't. Um I would I'd like to see in a more dramatic representation of Jane Foster Thor and God the God of God Butcher. Um yeah uh it was quite middling in my opinion. Yeah, um before we delve into our ratings um I suppose there's very little spoilers to talk about but I think one spoiler that I would like to talk sure. about at least, you know, is um, <laughs> um, uh, a very special cameo in in the first uh, post credit scene yeah. because um, he's here, he's there, he's there where every fucking where. Roy can. You. Roy Ken uh, Shout out to Brad Goldstein um, aka Ted Lasso's Roy Ken who appears as Hercules in post-credit scene probably I think the best moment of the yeah. film uh, by, like, by far and he had nothing to do with the story. Yeah. Uh what about you Hardy oh, fellow Ted Lasso come Lester. on
2: sure. it's <laughs> yeah. Roy fucking Ken but okay on yep. another note uh, I think you guys also know that Hercules is my guy yeah like, yep. I've, I've read I've, I've read all the Hercules comics in Marvel. You know, he's mm. the oldest superhero ever. He has a tragic backstory. Uh, he was once part of, part of the Avengers, part of the Guardians. You know, he, mm. he, he's a very storied, lived-in Marvel character. So, yep. them introducing him, it's a bit weird. Because <laughs> him and Zeus aren't really, like, friends. Yeah. But in this yeah. reiteration, I guess he's, like, a very loyal son or something. Mm-hmm. And also yeah. that CGI Roy Ken body. Mm-hmm. But that's not his real body. It's not. He's no way that big. He <laughs> cannot yeah. get that in that amount of time. I mean, like impossible. Um, what do you call it? Dimensions. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like the. It reminded me of the. You know, Ryan Reynolds. Uh, buff guy in uh Free, Man, free oh, yeah. Guy. Yeah, Free Guy. Sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. It reminded me of that. Uh, yeah. so yeah, I'm, I'm guessing. I'm. I'm wondering. I mean, we're gonna see Hercules another like four years or something or uh, You know, yep. five years from now because. I don't see the timeline. Phase five phase anything to with Thor. Yeah. So mm-hmm. five years from now, I guess. So wait, long
0: Um, it could happen in phase six actually, because there's only three titles oh, yeah, announced yeah, so in, phase, maybe in six. phase six. So 6. There, there's a lot of space to happen in in between, la. Yeah. Do
1: you think, Hardy, or do you hope that we will get a Hercules standalone movie? <laughs>
2: Nah, it's too small a character. I'm, I think I mean, so. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah.
0: I, I think he'll be defeated in Tower five and then I think he's gonna be a member of Thunderbolts. Yeah. Ooh.
2: So that that that's more likely. Yeah.
0: As like, you yeah. know, they are tall yeah. Thunderbolts' is tall. Yeah, yeah,
2: because Hercules does not, not Hercules but Ares was in Thunderbolts, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm.
0: Correct, you know. Yeah. Uh, I think the original Avengers team has uh, has an analog in Thunderbolts. Uh there's the Captain America analog. There is yeah. the Black Widow analog in Ye- Yelena. Master. there oh, is Yelena. Ab- ab- Abomination yep. Taskmaster. So everyone has a one to one except for Thor and I think Hercules could be it. Oh yeah, that
2: makes, kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> yeah. Ooh, good good good. Thanks. I like that idea.
0: All right, fantasy booking here for uh upcoming <laughs> Thunderbolts for so, uh, yeah, uh, so overall, guys, give me your final thoughts and ratings for Tall and Thunder. Let's begin with you, Isa.
1: Yeah, I'm going to give it, like, a 6, right? Like, I okay. enjoyed it, but, like, some parts of it just, like... There were some seriously unfunny jokes, there right? Were. And then, on the other hand, you have, like, Gore, you know, I, 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 I just... I just shit all this. Yeah, I, I fucking loved all of those scenes, especially when it went, like, completely black and white. And what yeah. a ridiculously concise origin story in the co-op, right? Yeah. Like, so, so tight. Um, but yeah everything else was was a little draggy you know honestly and I think they didn't do justice to Jane Foster and Lady uh, and Mighty Thor story Tito. yeah
2: uh, what about you uh, definitely okay actually slightly lower at 5.5 sure uh, because yeah Mighty Thor could have been given so much more to do yeah in mm-hmm. fact if it was made her movie instead of his movie Mm. it would have been maybe a lot better. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the oh, yeah. tragedy yeah. between, like, God and her kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that yeah. Thor also very tragic and, like, he lost everybody and all that, but we've gone through that quite a few times. Today. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. you know, this Jane Foster dying and all that stuff, you know, and God, you know, losing his daughter and all that stuff, I felt that those two characters should resonate even better. Yep. I'm just pissed because that was all we got for eternity. Oh my you god! You know, <laughs> like eternity—this one, once in a lifetime kind of being—you yeah. know, this great presence in the Marvel universe. You know, and that was all. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, anyway, yeah, five point five for me la.
0: Yeah, yeah, he was a cardboard card, cut, cut, out. literally. literally uh, um, wishing well. Um, yeah. Um, they did nothing with Tessa Thompson, who was given Thank absolutely you, yeah. zero zero character development here. Yeah. Uh, Natalie Portman. Uh, I'm sorry to say wasted her time here she shouldn't have come back yeah. to the MCU she should have stuck to her guns and been like I'm a serious actress um, I'm not going to do this shit anymore yeah. because they wasted her again yeah. um, Christian Bale obviously leaks above <laughs> what this movie called for him to be so he was quite good uh yeah um I'm rating this even lower than Hardy it's five out of ten for Oof. me so it's five five point five six yeah pretty close um I would have given it a four if not for Roy Kent Roy. I know that's what it's running, <laughs> but but Roy Kent saved the film for me uh, so yeah there was Thor Love and Thunder let's move on to something a bit more positive mm. on the TV side on Disney Plus oh, yeah. Uh let's talk about this first season of Miss Marvel um you know with Miss Marvel it's hard to talk about. How important Miss Marvel was as a character to uh, rejuvenating Marvel comics yeah. in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, when Peter Parker first swung onto Marvel comics in 1962, right? He kind of changed the game. He changed the world. For the first time, there was this relatable, flawed superhero for teens. Uh, a stark difference from all the aspirational gods and heroes who came before him—the billionaires, the Superman, you know. And and as Spider-Man exploded in popularity. A weird inverse thing happened. Because he was so popular, he lost his outcast relatability. And for decades, Marvel and other superhero comics in general have been trying to recapture that lightning in the bottle, mm. that Peter Parker lightning in the bottle to little success. Mm-hmm. That is until Kamala Khan arrived. She made her debut on the pages of Captain Marvel before getting her own solo series yep. in 2014. Yeah. And Kamala Khan's Miss Marvel became the source of much hoopla, specifically for being the first Muslim superhero to headline her own series. Mm -hmm. But, you know, kind of underneath all the right-wing backlash and progressives introducing identity politics to comics, all that uh, weird arguments online, Mm -hmm. right? There was this wonderful story about an insecure teenage superhero that managed to recapture what made Spider-Man so magical. Kamala Khan was transcendent. She was silly and short-sighted and over-eager and a fangirl who's totally out of her depth. Yep. As depicted by writer G. Willow Wilson and Adrian Alfauna on, on the art, she was utterly charming. Mm-hmm. This combination of a relata- relatable teen life, schoolwork, school crushes, parties, and her rich home life, courtesy of the Muslim upbringing, uh, made the Miss Marvel comics feels, feel like a breath of fresh air. Do you think that the Miss Marvel show managed to translate it to a reasonable degree? On on the small screen, uh, let's begin with you, Hardy. What do you think about Miss Marvel, the TV show?
2: I mean, at first I was a bit confused because the powers have changed, right? Yes, um, kind of. Yeah, kinda. I mean, yeah, because it's uh now, yeah, It's not shape shifting anymore, right? Yeah, it's not the shape shifting stuff. Uh, it's not from her, but it's still from her DNA, though. Yes, mm. when, as revealed at the end, la. Sorry, spoiler spoilers. Spoilers, But yeah, yeah, yep. Um, however, aside from that, uh. That 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 uh power thing. Miss Marvel, perhaps is one of the best TV shows, uh, Marvel TV shows, in a while.
0: In the MCU era, yes, for sure. Uh, in the Disney Plus Dis- era, for yes. sure. Yeah, yeah
2: Disney Plus era. Um, yeah. it has a lot of heart. I think it's also because of the enthusiasm and the the, the 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 very young cast. I mean, uh, Iman Vellani really knocks it out of the park for me yeah innocence to her her willingness to you know to learn and to grow right Mm -hmm. i mean comes off really genuine uh Mm -hmm. a lot of the scenes were very emotional very uh heart-wrenching at times also you know uh and then sometimes you know she does like a stupid thing for example (laughs) and you kind of can forgive her for that because she's a you remember that she's a teenager yeah, she's a, child. she's a dumb child so she's exactly. gonna do dumb things sometimes you know yes. and that's the, the journey la. you cannot be a perfect person all of a sudden la. so all these little missteps and all the little mistakes that she makes in the earlier episodes and all that mm. I think really led to that growth by the end of the season
0: like, yes, I, I, I agree with that child comment. A lot of people shed on Peter Parker for No Way Home saying it was his fault. It was the adult. Yes, exactly. Dr. Stephen yep. Strange is a full adult who let this happen. <laughs> yeah. yep.
2: Of course, he's going to go for the easy solution. He doesn't know anything else. Yeah, you know? exactly.
0: And and similar to Mister Marvel. Exactly. Yeah. So the kind of
2: pitfalls and all that that the character experiences at the beginning were very necessary, you know, especially mm-hmm. when it came to that ep- few last two episodes, you know. Or last three mm-hmm. episodes when uh the whole like partition and all that stuff like that happened at the end, mm-hmm. like all that became so much more um, earned because of all the mistakes she was making at the beginning. Yeah, yep. yeah. So for me, this was such a good, uh, succinct uh series. You know, it wasn't too mm-hmm. long, wasn't too short. Just nice, I think. The the eight episodes. yeah uh, yes. Right. Yeah. Just eight episodes told a really beautiful story uh it 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 really drove uh i mean it really painted the tapestry of pakistani american way of life very well i feel Mm -hmm. um Mm. and you know and the immigrant story as usual it can never be uh told enough sometimes i feel Yes. Like some people are sick of it, you know, like oh Lama, another diversity thing. Another mm. but to me I feel that this story is important. Yeah. And I mm. and I think that they did such a good job in not blowing like it's not on your nose, you know, all the time. Yep. It's just like a matter of fact kind of thing. This is their life, this is how they live. You know, that kind of thing. Like and, and beautifully done. I I I cannot I cannot gush about this series more.
1: I, I love it.
0: Uh, what about you, Isa? What do you think about Miss Marvel?
1: Oh man, I've been having a lot of discussions about Miss Marvel, right? And uh, with with just people around me, and it's it's kind of a mixed bag, right? But but for me personally, it currently ranks as the top thing that they've done for MCU TV, uh, hands down. Uh, you know, uh, much like in the same way that Hawkeye kind of took me by surprise with having this very interesting street level, lower stakes, low low ambitions, but like fulfilling all of that to its T, uh, Miss mm-hmm. Marvel has superseded any sort of expectations that I had. Mm. Uh, did I or did I go in already having expectations that look? it has big shoes to fill because the comic Mm. book series was so important and so seminal at the point in time where it was released. Uh, Yeah, I did. Uh, Did I expect them to far supersede that? I did not. And I was Mm. completely taken by surprise. Is it a perfect TV series? Uh, Absolutely not, right? There's still things that I think, you know, could have been better for sure. But, what I think surprised me the most, if we were to remove all the superpower things, if we were to remove the fact, you know, um, the superpowers, the superhero stuff, all the mystical stuff, right, you have a teen drama on the level of Never Have I Ever, right? Uh, And that speaks for itself, you know, the cultural specificity in which they go into that, the care and detail and attention that they pay to the everyday life of this Teenage girl and her community and her, you know, her coming of age story, essentially with the discovery of her powers. Um, so much, so much attention and so much care was placed into that, and that really, really shows. Uh, yep. And that, to me, is is filling this. It's filled this gap, right, in everything that the MCU has come up with recently. Whereby, sure, you've been giving us a decade worth of superhero stories. Some of them amazing. Some of them. Okay, some of them not so great, but you are finally giving me something different, uh, mm-hmm. for once, and that to me is why Miss Marvel stands kind of like, honestly, uh, heads, heads and shoulders above everything else. Like love, Vision, love Loki, love Hawkeye, uh, but Miss Marvel feels special, and I hope mm-hmm. that you know, um, it continues to be special that way despite all the furor about all these people who can't see past their own noses.
0: Yes, Uh, Disney Plus MCU has its pluses and minuses. The plus, obviously, is there is the QC there. Kevin Feige has quality control, so you don't get um stuff like Iron Fist and stuff like that, right? <laughs> but at the same time, also, the QC and the strict continuity doesn't allow it to reach the heights of, say, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 4, 5, yeah. Daredevil Season 1, Punisher Season yeah. 1, and stuff yep. like that. Uh, But in the context of the Disney Plus era, Miss mm-hmm. Marvel is easily the best show that they've done. Yeah. Um, it is delightful. Um, Bish, Bisha K. Ali uh, and uh, the director duo of uh, Adil El Arbi and Bilal Falah, who actually did Bad Boys for Life, which uh, <laughs> me and Hadi actually watched. Um, great film too. Yeah. Um, surely, he, they made this seem like more than a Spider-Man read-up. Yes. You know, it's this like shot of candy-coloured joy, and it's a fantastic coming-of-age comedy, fantastic coming-of-age drama. That happens to occasionally moonlight as a superhero show, <laughs> uh, as we've already mentioned. But particularly newcomer Iman Velani Bilal- kind of delivers this star-making turn as the lead, playing this average sixteen-year-old Pakistani American who's a total fan for Carol Danvers, uh, aka Captain Marvel. But even as she's struggling to find a place at in in her Jersey City school home. Um and, and you know, at home and obviously in Pakistan later on, she suddenly gets superpowers and it kickstarts this superhero origin journey. Um really love the aesthetic of the show mm. as well. The Scott Scott Pilgrim meets Spider-Verse meets Mitchells versus the machines editing aesthetic <laughs> yeah. of pop art visual. You know, um, I love the story, I love the acting. The details are what makes this special, though the the, the great music. Mm. Uh Pakistani and Indian music to, you know, uh, Riz Matt, Sweatshot Boys. Um, There's the casual discussions of the best SRK films. There are vivid depictions of the partition um, to which I think this show did what Watchmen did for the Tulsa 1921 massacre. Um, It it introduced to a mainstream audience something in a real big historical event that most mainstream white people didn't know about, particularly the partition. Um, And that's what uh, Watchmen did for Tulsa a couple of years ago. Um, it has a very accurate portrayal of being a practicing Muslim in a Westernized world. Mm-hmm. Um, their depictions of taking wudu, um, celebrating Eid, uh, you know, and the difference between <laughs> mean Eid and lesser Eid. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, a kid, a kid being tricked into consuming alcohol, which is straight out of issue one of Miss Marvel. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, and nothing, you know, like I think Min Hadi has discussed this. Nothing has kind of angered me more oh in pop culture than than watching white people wear shoes into a masjid. Yeah. You know. Um. Details like that. Um, it has this colorful immersion into not just Pakistani American culture, but Pakistani culture as well. Mm. As the show transitions into Karachi in its later mm. half, uh, such specificity within a universal coming of age superhero tale is what makes Ms. Marvel so beautiful. That's it. The only flaw to the show is I wish that there was less superhero elements. I know it's a <laughs> it's, know. it's a weird it's a weird <laughs> argument but for I superhero agree. show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh but I wish there were less superhero elements and more of the family drama and and you know Pakistani-American elements um and less powers. Lah. Mm. Uh but overall I think it's a great start for Kamala Khan. You know, uh let's give our final thoughts and ratings before we delve into sure. spoilers. Uh what about you, Hadi? What's your final thoughts and ratings?
2: Uh, I'm gonna give it an eight out of ten for me.
0: Yep.
1: Ooh, yeah. Solid.
0: Same here, same here. I'm giving it an eight out of 10 as well. Nice.
1: I'm just slightly below, I'm going to give it a
0: 7.5. Right. Uh so yeah, um, universally. Uh, beloved here, um, on this episode of Genre, uh, great ratings overall. we highly encourage you to watch Miss Marvel if you haven't. It's available now on Disney Plus. All episodes are out. Uh, it's actually oh yeah yeah, all episodes are out already. Yep. Yeah. Um, and let's delve into the spoiler section, which is essentially. I mean, I'm not <laughs> going to talk about. I'm not going to talk about the Captain Marvel thing because it, we kind of knew that was yeah, going to yeah. happen. Yes, it's 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 how you introduce um uh, you know Miss Marvel into the Captain Marvel cosmic world mm-hmm. um. By doing something like that. But let's talk about the big M.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, oh they, yeah.
0: they dropped they dropped the word mutants there. Not only did they drop the word mutants, they played the X-Men team song over yeah. it.
3: So yeah,
0: yeah. it's it's clear what they wanted you to do. Uh I what, wanted you to think. Uh let's begin with you, Hadi. What do you think about this introduction of mutations into Kamala oh. Khan? Do you think do, do you think it overconvolutes
2: the origin story or do you think A it's bit, right? I mean slightly uh, uh, slightly overconvoluted, but fine, I'm fine with it. <laughs> it's just
1: that isn't she inhuman? <laughs> like,
2: well yeah
1: yeah I mean like but, Hins and I just had this conversation I guess right?
2: they don't want anything to do the humans after the tragedy of the Inhumans TV show like. yeah yeah.
0: Uh, I think humans and mutants <sighs> are redundant if if you can do mutants you do mutants they only did Inhumans because they, they not have, have the, the rights right mutant. exactly
2: yep. so now they have the rights again I guess
0: yes Um. in fact G Willow Wilson <sighs> has given several interviews when Miss Marvel came out the, the comic book she said that she originally intended for Kamala to be a mutant not an inhuman okay. the inhuman was was a directive from Marvel higher ups because they didn't want to promote any more mutants Exactly, they they are, like yeah.
2: So fine uh, be- Let's make her a mutant sure. Yeah why not uh, yeah. I guess it also makes it easier kind of like um Yeah yeah it's fine I'm I'm, I'm totally fine with this review Okay uh <laughs> I I'm, I'm just interested like that guy uh, what's uh, what's his the buddy's name
1: Bruno Bruno um, Bruno, Bruno.
2: Brian, right? No. Brian. <laughs> oh, hi, that's <laughs> a good joke. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, sorry. Uh yeah, Bruno. Uh Bruno's like like Abadir's true level of intelligence. Yeah. Like.
1: No, seriously. Like the the, the sh- like he's not just a genius at one thing. He's like yeah, he, like he's seriously. Too, I'm like uh, like everything, he's a, uh, what do you call it? a renaissance man? He's a Renaissance man, yeah, like yeah. he's Peter Parker, like young Peter Parker level, right? Like doing shit yeah. that only supercomputer should be able to do, but he can do what it on it? like whatever. <laughs> uh, that was a huge kind of like strange thing for me, but sure, right? Everyone needs a guy yeah. in a chair. Who cares yeah, how he's he gets? A guy yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it it really cuts right into it that like, you
2: don't you don't really see it, so it's fine, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. one more thing that I wanted to mention is that uh, yeah, I mean, this sets up. Beautifully yeah. for whatever mutant related stuff they might have in the future. La. Uh
0: Nemo is coming up so yeah. Exactly yep. the first mutant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah. Uh what about you, Isa? What do you think about this mutant review?
1: Uh first of all, like props to them for dropping it and having such a subtle nuance uh three or four notes of the theme song play in the background right mm-hmm. like i had to watch that several times just to make sure i wasn't hearing stuff mm-hmm. uh you know and uh, yeah props to them for like it's a bold move uh sure it definitely messes with what we canonically know from the comics mm-hmm. but uh much like hit and fine. i just had this this conversation right whereby like honestly i mean Inhumans are mutant. Yeah, in their are. own way, you know. They if are. anything, yeah. I think they're a subset of mutants who just happened. Yeah, yeah. There's a not subset of
2: humans lah, which mutants yeah.
1: are la. Which exactly, right? Yeah. So like I, I'm not worried about that. I think that going mutants now does not necessarily mean you can't introduce in humans later. You know what yeah. I mean? I, I think that makes more sense than going in humans now and then having to do mutants later as well, right? Mm-hmm. Much like it appeared in it, it appeared in like comic book uh Canon as well, right? Then we got the mutants first before we got in humans, um, you know. So I think that makes a lot more sense. I'm super curious how they're gonna do about it, right? Because yeah. I don't think like with Namor coming in, sure, that's one thing. Uh, the discovery of the mutants just because in in. Marvel comics they've been such a big part of the comics for so long and there's so much lore behind that so many characters as well I'm not sure how exactly they're gonna kind of like finagle that in or what the starting or jumping off point is gonna be it'll be very interesting mm-hmm. if Kamala is the jumping off point or if Namor is the yeah. jumping off point so we'll see how that goes I'm not sure yet uh, but it definitely opens the door for some very exciting things in the future
0: yeah uh, 100% yeah excited for to see Miss Marvel season 2 hopefully it gets a renewal and also oh, yeah. excited to see Iman Vellani in the Marvels next year uh, exactly one year from now actually on the 28th of July uh next up let's move on to season 3 of The Boys let's go. uh on Amazon Prime The Boys is back for its third season it's genuinely more outrageous than it's ever been yeah. um visual may have begun as like a superhero satire mm. um like like Watchmen on Viagra and steroids yeah. at the same time. But I think by season three, it's become a satire not of superheroes, but of American culture in general. Yeah. It skewers outright conspiracy theorists, mm-hmm. um, gun-toting Second Amendment maniacs, um, white males rebelling against cancel culture, yeah. um, co-op, corporations co-opting social justice messaging for PR points, uh, reality TV conversi- uh, competitions, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, cheesy Lifetime movies. Sure. The Snyder Cut, sure. Pizza Gate, sure. they even have a, a Tucker Carlson type Fox yes, News they guy. Uh, they did a parody of Gal Gadot's Imagine video. Oh, that's awesome. uh, and an even more hilarious parody of Kendall Jenner's Pepsi advertisement. Yep. Um, this season also brings in Jason Eccles to play a satire of both Captain America and Winter Soldier. And the boys manages to weave in all these smart, political, social, politically complex themes yeah. about celebrity culture and capitalist culture, all while ramping up the gross-out gore factor by like a million. Oh my god! Um, within the first ten minutes oh, of the first episode. episode of the first oh, season, Jesus. we we see an Endman type hero shrink down to enter his boyfriend's penis, mm-hmm. only to accidentally enlarge and exploit his boyfriend's dick, oh, his an his entire son. lower body. Into two bloody chunks t- 10 minutes First episode yep. uh, There's a scene where Homelander gives a monologue Comparing himself to Martin Luther King yeah. As he force- As he force-feeds the deep A seafood meal Made out uh, of his friends
2: Oh no That was so fucking hilarious And scary at the same time
0: I, I haven't even mentioned The goddamn Herogasm episode Which is The more, most graphic thing I've seen outside of actual porn uh, the show is outrageous, and it's also perfectly tailored mm-hmm. to mirroring U.S. politics in 2022, which is itself a practically bottomless cesspool. You know, that has reached chilling new depths in recent years. Um, you know, like, you know, viewers who have entered. I, I like how the show started yeah. because you know viewers and uh, viewers entered 2022 with this kind of post-pandemic high expectations, right? Mm-hmm. And similarly, the Boys season three begins on this false upswing. You know, They discovered that Stormfront, who was part of the Seven last year, was actually a remnant of the Third Reich. Yep, yep. The boys have helped beat her and her Nazi ass in the Season 2 finale. Mm-hmm. And one year later, they settled into this semi-peaceful new normal. Uh, Homeland is unhinged, but seemingly under control, thanks to Maeve and some damning footage from Flight 37. Mm-hmm. Um, Huey and Starlight are off to start fresh, uh, soaring in their respective careers mm-hmm. as a soup watchdog and a soup leader, respectively. Mother's Milk, Kimiko, Frenchie, and even Butcher are trying to do the same at first. Uh, unfortunately, much like real life, stopping one Nazi is not enough yeah. to save a capitalistic asshole. So the boy Season 3 takes aim at a daunting question. Uh, what do the good guys do when the bad guys just keep winning? That's the big theme of Season 3, right? right. Um, boy, Hardy, um, I thought... Uh, I, like, like we've talked about many times before, Season 1, I thought was not great. I was not a fan of Season 1. Season 2... Genuinely one of the best superhero sure. show seasons I've ever seen. Agreed. Uh I think season three keeps up that momentum. What about you? What do you think about season three?
2: Um It got dark fast, man.
0: It got dark really fast. Yeah. Dug,
2: like <laughs> you thought that, like, oh, okay, we just defeated the Nazi. Everything's fine now. You know? Yeah. But then we realized that wait, we have a lot of unsolved stuff from season two still. We still have hip popper. Mm. Right? Yeah. We still have the whole homelander situation. I mean he's he's kind of him, but not out.
0: Yeah, we got homelander. We got AOC out there.
2: And <laughs> then don't forget, we have VOD who's still making the billions and billions of dollars.
0: You know, gasping, there. So, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh,
2: yeah. Nothing has kind of changed. Yep. You know, and uh, and uh, and, and yeah, it's interesting how they had to get the band back together, mm-hmm. right? And oh my lord, Huey. Like I mean, as, uh, Huey is one of my favorite characters this season. True. Sure. Uh, his character arc is great. I mean, he he kind of gets unhinged himself, I guess.
0: Huey is the perfect representation of the insecure white male. Right? Yeah. Um, Butcher is not that. Homelander is not that. But Huey, Huey is, is that. And they, and they made him the focus, almost the villain of the season. Um,
2: almost exactly. That's the word. Yeah. Almost. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the introduction of Soulja Boy is great. Uh, the whole um the world building this year was fantastic. La. I mean, we got another deep dive into hero culture and how um outlandish and how uh out of touch they were. You know? Uh,
0: he- uh Hero worship and hero culture is toxic. Exactly. Uh, the-, the voice has been all of- about that since season one. I think season three is its most
2: in-your-face In your face. representation yeah. of that. Yeah. And like, I mean, the life of a hero is so much different than you know life of a normal person. La, right? And th- that comes in combination with hero-gasm, la, for example. True, you know, yeah. That this uh, hedonistic lifestyle and all that is actually celebrated by a very large number of heroes. Uh, and, you know, the comeuppance and all that, yeah, we can talk about that later. La. Uh, but what the boys does beautifully, again, is give us the um that uncertainty uh, mm. of hero-worship. lah you know that you shouldn't be worshiping these guys because you're you're just blinding yourself la. but you know it's a, a, it's a, it's a beautiful allegory to real life like i guess you know mm. uh and again beautifully done i think season 3 outdid season 2 yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: uh agree you know um like there's so many problems in season 3 that they are addressing you know mm. where you have i i i know she's not AOC, la, but victoria newman is pretty much an AOC-type yeah, yeah, yeah. politician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and she isn't just a soup who murdered most of Congress last season. She's actually working with and for exactly. Um, And uh, like, Huey finds himself steeped in this dramatic irony. He's this sad boy sidekick who stepped away from Butcher and the Vigilante squad to foster <laughs> legitimate change within a, a legitimate office, yeah. the Federal Bureau of Superhuman Affairs. Mm-hmm he pissed off his whole family in the process but now instead of doing that he's unknowingly working for this superpowered chick who's kind of maintaining the status quo despite outwardly projecting left-wing politics you know uh, to make matters even worse though I mean the the biggest bet has always been and will always be homelander mm. soldier boy yeah. is there sure um butcher and Huey go sink to new depths this season um yeah. you know soldier boy is a big friend and all of that you know but Homelander can't stay forever cage right yeah and Anthony Starr's terrifying performance oh, no. pushes the boys' big bad closer and closer to the psychological brink. Look, if Anthony Starr doesn't win an Emmy this year, there is no fucking justice in the world,
2: dude. Uh,
0: there is no greater performance in TV or in film than Anthony Starr as Homeland. Yeah. Um, it's so good. There is also this sharply written disinformation storyline, you mm. know, complete with Tucker no- Carlson knockoff yeah. that drives Homelanders maniacal, overtly Trump-inspired narrative. Yep. Um, Anthony Starr has this frenetic eye acting yes. that makes the Sloban threat feel menacing. Mm. Uh, yet, you know, there's still hope here and there of stopping Vought and Homelander, a- including the promise of an experimental 24-hour Compound V mm-hmm. uh, that lets you get superpowers for 24 hours but with horrendous side effects yeah. and rumors of a powerful weapon that killed uh, Vought poster child soldier boy back in the 80s. Yeah. Um, both of these potential quote unquote solutions mm-hmm. demand that the boys consider using or at least taking advantage of someone else's superpowers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and superpowers have always been the go to symbol for evil thus far. So, to get what they want, the boys have to decide what parts of themselves they're willing to lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, Butcher and Huey seem to go all in on this. Yeah. And I think one of the major themes, besides right wing politics and disinformation and the co opting of social justice messaging by corporations and all that, mm-hmm. right, is really about. What happens to white males when they become insecure? Homelander gets insecure. Butcher gets insecure. And mm-hmm. Huey has always been insecure. You know, how do they handle this? Do they lose themselves? Do they do they uh succumb to what we all call toxic masculinity? Mm-hmm. Uh, for a long while, Butcher and Huey do right. Uh, they almost become a secondary villain group to our primary hero group of Mother's okay. Group, Frenchie, yeah. Kimiko, um, Starlight, and all yep, that. Right. Yep. Yep. Uh, did, did, did you like what they did with uh, Butcher and Huey there or do you think they took it a bit too far no, well I, with their,
2: with their... I think it's yeah. perfect it's all about that like like home is the bad guy correct yep but those who are opposed to him doesn't necessarily mean they are the good guys you know mm-hmm. because sometimes it doesn't take a good guy to beat a bad guy it takes bad guys to beat bad guys
0: that, that was Butcher's whole reasoning exactly. Huey's whole reasoning this season exactly
2: yeah. and and they took it to that level lah. you know they really steeped to that level to try and beat Homelander, mm, and exactly. therefore losing a part of what was good about them. La.
0: Yeah, I yeah. mean, uh, in the middle of the season, you were kind of wondering, is Butcher and Huey any better than Homelander exactly. or Vought or, or anything? They're, they're employing the same tactics and, and all that. Yeah. Um, what makes the boys work is, is unrelenting allegories to the world in which we actually live in, as i have talked about, you mm. know. Um, season three takes fearless swings at everything from social economic oppression to whiny white men crying about cancel culture. Mm-hmm. But it does so with a precision that makes joke after joke, scene after scene, gory kill after gory kill, land like a knockout punch. You know, whether it's a dildo fight in the middle of an episode or extremely graphic superhero orgy or the deep fucking an octopus or straight up calling Lindsey Graham a a, a good shlicker, you know, the boys doesn't give a fuck about pissing people off. It, in fact, revels in it. And, and mm. the way the series captures the nature of not just toxic superhero fan culture and toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. but the whole destructive soup of online conspiracy theories is scary in its accuracy. Yep. Um, it is, it's a better representation of modern... It's, it's almost Black Mirror-ish in that sense. Yes, it is. Um, and in ways, that can be harder to watch than even the most graphic displays of body horror, because it feels so real. Uh, and but overall, right, showrunner Eric Kripke, he has this knack for tying in political commentary back to the main story. They're not separate. Yeah. Uh, they feel organic to the main story, so that its themes intertwine with character development. Yep. The boys pokes fun. Uh, but it wisely offers no need solutions for the big place in the history we currently find ourselves. Mm-hmm. There is no optimism for the better nature of humanity to shine through. Instead, it's very blunt about the truth of today. And I appreciate that about the boys. Uh I can't believe I come around so far to the boys yeah, from, from not know. liking it to yeah, to being like legitimately one of my favorite shows on, on the air in a moment. Uh yeah, uh, Any any final thoughts about the boys before you give your rating?
2: Um I I kind of like that the show kind of went on its own way instead of relying on just what the comics have already established Um, because I feel this is a lot more in tune with what's happening in the real world as well like what you said Mm -hmm. Uh, but one of the you have to give it up to again Anthony Starr and Butcher the rest of the cast as well I think everybody does really well this season Um, Mm -hmm. and this show really should be nominated for something you know yeah, um, but yeah, it's a superhero film, so you know, whatever lah.
0: Yeah, I mean, Anthony Starr definitely needs to win an Emmy for something. For something. He, he's. This is the best best acting job I've seen in a long time. Agreed. Goddamn Uh, uh how? Oh yeah, this?
2: I'll definitely give this. Uh, you know what? A nine out of ten. I feel.
0: I'm giving this a nine out of ten as well. Yeah.
2: One. Solid, solid very, season. A lot of, very, of improvement from season two.
0: Very, very high scores. Uh, Isa, have you seen any of the boys so far? I guess not. Yeah. Uh, so, right, let's move on to, to the Orville then. How you know. oh, yes. um, do have you, you, have you caught up with the Orville? I
2: did. The finale was last week, right?
0: Uh, no, there's still two more episodes oh. to go, but we've caught about because, eight of the, eight of 10 episodes. Because there right? was an
2: extra long episode last week, the one hour plus episode.
0: Yeah, we'll get to its run times in just a bit, but okay. yeah, uh, our next topic is the Orville uh, season three. Um, the Orville may have begun as a Star Trek spoof. Mm-hmm but it's since grown to become better than any of the actual Star Trek series of the past two For decades. Now, yes. And I'm and I'm including Strange New Worlds in yep, this. Yep, yep. Uh, who would have thought that the creator of Family Guy could have crafted such a thought-provoking, dramatically compelling, mm. and morally mm. complex science fiction show mm. just with a little bit of that Sa- Seth MacFarlane trademark toilet humor sprinkled in? A little bit of it. And it gets lesser and, and
2: lesser every season
0: exactly right uh and after a three plus year hiatus the oval is finally back for season three it continues to be a must watch for any trekkies or sci-fi fans in general Mm -hmm. um the new season brings in some interesting new characters and a new look and a new home Mm -hmm. for the sci-fi dramedy which moves from fox to hulu uh and looks like that change has led to some serious upgrades for the show not only does the vfx look much better um, it seems that the writing and directing right have matured as well. It has, yeah. Uh, what do you think about season three, Hardy?
2: Oh man, I love season three. I mean, this yeah. is the post kalon invasion, uh, yeah. And we we come to a a new reality la, for the, the 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 planetary union. Yeah. Uh, and the Orville itself. I mean, there's new characters introduced to the Orville with the Ensign uh, uh, Charlie. Yeah, uh, and then with uh. Popa, uh, who is the son of uh, the Mocklands. Uh Daughter. Oh. oh, yeah, spoiler. <laughs> yeah, okay. <yeah. laughs> Papa, he said son. Okay, never mind. Anyway, uh, and yeah. then, um, obviously, uh, you know, uh, how we come to terms la, with what happened, you know, with the Kalons. Yep. And though that is explored, I like that they went back to what makes the all you good, which is the exploration, the mm. the 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 negotiations and diplomacy, you know. Mm. And we're right back into that. And mm-hmm. and again it 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 kind of uh works the formula. I, I think that Cypher McFarland just stuck to the formula and just improved on it. Uh, yep. and this season I think again uh is really really fun. Um from you know uh going to the shadow realms you know where 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 they were in this weird reality thing
0: uh yeah uh I, speaking of that right yeah. i i like i like that they mentioned it because every episode of season 3 is a sequel episode to an episode we've seen in previous Correct episodes. like um, uh t- yeah correct, se- correct sequel to the mockless gender identity episodes yeah. uh se- sequel to that time uh the commander became a god in a random world yes, you know? yes. uh sequel to nearly everything, everything. um yeah. I, I love that it, they never ac- actually explored any strange new worlds this century, but they developed upon the strange new worlds they had already Correct. explored. yes. Which is something that I think Star Trek doesn't do. They don't follow up.
2: Yes, and this is the follow-up thing which is interesting, like, which it kind of uh, reminds me a bit of uh, Lower Decks where, you know, they're the second contact guys. Correct, you know?
0: and it's just as important, right? Yeah. But we, but we, we never about see it. it. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, like, you know, that, that one of my favourite episodes is the phone episode, the one that uh, the guy got stuck in in the past. Yeah, and then yeah, and, and th- I mean I don't spoil it, but that was a brilliant episode. I feel. Uh, also, also a sequel to exactly. uh, to the hol- hologram. Episode. Amazing, Amazing episode, as right? Well, yeah, and then yeah, uh, I love that we actually explored like an uh enemy planet, uh, and with the krills, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and how you know right again like right wing politics, populist politics, and all that can derail um. A peace treaty, a peace treaty yeah. and all that, you know, all these kind of things are really explored and delve deeply, uh, mm. more so than anything Star Trek has done uh, in the past ten years. In, I would say twenty, 20 years. <laughs> sure, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, like from, from the beginning, right? It does that take its uh season length? A season premiere, which is also feature length, was about ninety minutes mm. as well. Uh, there were no discoveries, no strange worlds. Instead, we got a dark, in-depth dive into trigger warning. Trauma and suicide and grief. Yeah, dealing with the emotional fallout of last season's Kalon invasion. Exactly. You know, um, we're actually talking about an entire episode dealing with the suicidal ideation of a fucking robot. Yeah. You know. How great is that? Or how about you know recurring antagonist Delia, who who single handedly dismantled the historic Crow Union peace treaty by winning the Crow presidency mm-hmm. atop at of a wave, as you said, of disinformation of fake news to boost her her xenophobic isolationist populist yeah. message. And the best part is that both uh,
2: sides are doing it.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. yes, both sides were doing it. Uh, the, the episode that you just singled out just now, A Tale of Two Topas, where yeah. the Orville once again d- dove deep into the tawny issue of trans rights and culture clash, mm-hmm. you know, when Bottas' kid Topa requests a transition to being back into a female, mm-hmm. which is of course a big no-no for the all-male Mocklin species. Yeah. Uh, does the Orville respect the child's wishes and look after his mental health by disregarding the customs of an ally? Or do they respect a foreign culture's traditions and disregard our own human morality at the cost of a child's well-being? These are the type of, like, ethical conundrums that I loved about Star Trek and that only the Orville is doing these days. Um, This show... Tackles the difficult social, political, moral, scientific, and philosophical issues mm-hmm. that classic track used to tackle. And it does so with such grace and nuance. I can't say enough good things about the show. Um, on the issue of runtime that, that you talked about, yeah. um, we took such umbrage with Stranger Things Season 4. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the Orville Season 3. Yeah, everything's, when like more nearly, than, everything's
2: more than an hour. Nearly
0: episode. Nearly every episode was 90 minutes or close to 90 minutes. Mm. Uh, 70, 80. The The latest episode was over 90 minutes, right? 87 minutes. Uh, 87, so close yeah, to 90, yeah. like one hour and a half Nearly every episode is an hour and a half. A, a movie. We're getting a movie every week. Yeah, year. basically. The, the big difference is that the Orville earns every single second of his extended yeah. runtime. Yeah. There's not a single wasted moment. There's not, a mo- uh, there's not a beat Or a story That feels unnecessary no. It all serves To tell the best story possible Or the best character arcs possible mm-hmm. Now this is how you do Long run times folks Yeah man Man I love the Obvious Century. It is the epitome Of sci-fi television On TV right now okay. In my opinion okay. Yeah um, Final thoughts on it Before your rating honey?
2: Um, Again How many more episodes are left? Two more Oh nice Okay uh, Looking forward to it Uh I cannot wait to see where this goes because there's an overarching story that hasn't really been explored, which is the Kaelon Trap.
0: It's been explored here and there like, yeah, this season, it, but yes, yeah, yeah. And, they, they will get, get to that last Yeah, week.
2: because uh, in the spoiler alert, I guess, in the episode 8, mm-hmm. uh, spoiler alert again, uh, is that like the, the mocklins are now expelled from, from the Union. Yes. And that's a big deal because the Moklands were basically the number one weapons provider.
0: Yeah, for the for every other planet. Exactly.
2: So what happens now? I mean, I mean, yes, they stuck to their principles, they stuck to their morals, mm-hmm. and their ethics. But at uh, at what cost, la? And that yeah. cost is becoming in terms of the Kalons, because like the the admiral said, the defensive posture is now weakened. La. And yeah, so yep. I can't wait to see what happens and how they how they figure this out. And I know that it's not going to be just boom, boom, flash, flash. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's going to be some deep, philosophical conundrum that they're going to solve.
0: And when they do get to that boom, boom, flash, flash in the finale, it's, they're going to earn They're it. going to
2: earn it, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But before that, yeah, a lot I'll... of talking, a lot of diplomacy.
0: Yeah, but they, they will resort to they will exhaust every possible option until the boom, yeah, boom, bang, bang. use the know.
2: science, use the the technology you have. You know, use the people and rely on each other, and you know that kind of thing. You know.
0: Yeah, you know. <sighs> um, there's the question of mockless uh, hanging in a balance. There's the question of their new alliance with the all female uh society, which is the anti mockless. Yeah. Uh, but equally discriminatory. Exactly. I, I I love I love the saying like why would why would we ever deal with such a bigoted society? And then everybody looks <laughs> at <bigoted> him. <laughs>
2: like bro uh, <laughs> bro irony
0: bro the the fuck uh, even the time travel ethics has done so much better than Picard season oh 2 I mean come Lord.
2: on the, the time travel ethics thing was so heartbreaking
0: yeah absolutely I was actually on not on your side on that one me god too god damn yeah Um. I'm giving this season 9.5 out of 10 oh, what about you
2: yeah easily 9.5
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, it, I'll reserve the right to push it up to a 10 if the final two episodes deliver, but because we haven't yet, it's a 9.5 yeah, for now. For now, for now. For now, yeah. yeah. Um, we we'll revisit
2: boy. it in the next, next genre. We just say the rating.
0: Definitely, definitely. Oh, on, on that part though, Um, I kind of have to revise my Star Trek Strange New Worlds <laughs> from an 8 to a 9. Yes. Uh, <laughs> No spoilers for the Star Trek Strange New Worlds finale, but damn, that finale, it took guts to invite multiple direct comparisons mm-hmm. to the original series yes, yep. uh, particularly one of his most iconic episodes yep. ever and to do it that way mm-hmm. my god you know. Uh, besides the episode being a quasi-sequel to one of the greatest track episodes of all time Balance of Terror mm-hmm. it also informs moments from another season of TOS uh, from another episode called uh, The Menagerie yep. you know? um, in that episode Spock betrays Captain Kirk and hijacks the Enterprise to help his former Captain Pike so I was watching that app a long time ago The original series And you're, you're kind of thinking What the fuck yeah. right? How can how can Spock be tricked? Yeah. Um, To help some guy He used to work with 13 years but ago But now we know why uh, Now we know why okay. Right uh, It's so good uh, Just a tremendous debut season One of the best First seasons Of a track show ever Right yeah. okay. uh,
2: For a long time
0: I think for any track show There's never been a good season oh, one. Oh no
2: Yeah you're right Every season one Kind of sucks. Even uh, uh, TNG
0: even TNG, yeah, TNG even was the OS. only good
2: on season 3 onwards.
0: Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine the, um, season 3 um, onwards also. Voyager as well, right? Yeah,
2: because the first two seasons, they were just like finding themselves, finding their feet and all that.
0: This is the only great season one we've ever had in Trek. Yeah, hopefully
2: it doesn't revert and it becomes like lousy season 2 centuries. La.
0: Yeah, hopefully. La. But I don't think so. La. Like This writing team seems to know yeah. what it's doing.
2: I also rewatched uh, Discovery and all that uh, with uh, Fresh Eyes. Why? Um uh, wanted to see <laughs> I don't know like I had time now. Yeah. Uh okay la, you're right, lah season four is a lot better than season three, la.
0: a lot I am not saying that it was good. I'm just yeah, saying it was better, better than season yeah, three. Yeah, yeah. I would rate season three like a three out of ten, <laughs> and season four is like a, s- a four point a five or five. Five, la, lah, yeah. Yeah, right. So I mean, it's improving. I can I can give yeah. it that at least. But it's
2: nowhere close to Brave New Worlds.
0: Uh strange, strange New worlds or
2: the author. New Worlds is the book.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh did you watch uh the Star Trek finale? How I yes, told yes, you to yes, watch yes, it?
2: yes I did. It was thank yeah. you for that. Like uh it gave a lot of context.
0: Yeah, uh, I if if you don't know I said like I told Hardy to watch a particular episode of the original series before watching yeah. the Strange Worlds finale because they it sort of serves as a quasi-sequel to the
2: episode. Yeah, so then it made so much sense.
0: Right, yeah. Uh, and the thing is, right, like I've heard from people who've only seen the episode and never seen the original Star Trek from the sixties. The episode works on its own. Even. It does,
2: yeah. Yeah, I mean, I but, can tell it does like.
0: But with the added context of you know with Kirk, it just and, felt more epic. And the Romulan encounter in the original series, yeah, yeah, yeah it felt it just felt so much better. Yeah. Um, amazing. Uh, thanks so much, Hardy, for joining no this episode. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Yeah. All right. For the
1: you. Americans. Yeah. yeah bye bye.
2: I can't wait for that. I can't wait for that. Me too,
0: man. Yep. Uh join us in three weeks. For right. that. Take uh, care, man. We'll talk to you next time. Right. Bye. Bye guys.
2: Bye.
0: Now I'm gonna jump into Quick Hits, which is a little segment that I talk about. Uh some of the TV shows and films that my co-host may not have been able to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, first up, I'm gonna be talking about Crimes of the Future, which is David Cronenberg's big comeback film. <laughs> um, David Cronenberg, body horror master, connoisseur, is back and he's ready to make you squirm. Um, Crimes of the Future is the author's first feature film in eight years and it returns him to his body horror roots um it's not like uh, eastern promises or like that this is pure sci-fi body horror um indeed there are times when crimes feels like cronenberg that is just playing the hits Mm. uh the title itself is recycled from a film he directed in 1970 while this new feature film has scenes that often play like direct references to previous cronenberg films um, despite its somewhat recycled material, Cronenberg isn't just growing, going through the motions with Crimes of the Future. Uh, instead, it feels as if he's returning to his roots, to the type of film he's become renowned for, a film where everyone is off-kilter, where flesh holds hypnotic sway, where sex and horror are intrinsically intertwined. Um, the story takes place in the near future where pollution and technological advancement have led human beings to develop something called accelerated evolution syndrome, mm-hmm. which is the spontaneous development of new organs and bodily configurations. In this world, bodily modifications are the norm, and pain is virtually a thing of the past. Safe, it seems, for a guy called Saul Tenzer, played by Viggo Martinson, who is a celebrity performance artist whose gimmick is tattooing, then surgically removing those redundant organs that your body produces <laughs> in elaborate performance art showcases with his creative partner, Caprice, uh, played by Leah Sidhu. Um, He lives a life of constant pain, one which no number of biotechnological devices can alleviate. Yet it's this pain and the desire to excise it from his body that makes him the best, a true artist in a world of quote-unquote ag poses. Yeah. Uh, This reputation leads Saul to his most ambitious show yet, where a grieving father and activist, played by Scott Speedman, urges him to perform his next public autopsy on a dead body, his son's dead body, uh, promising earth-shattering revelations for his audience. It is the understatement of a lifetime to say that David Cronenberg is no stranger to cinematic body horror. Mm Mm -hmm. The Canadian director practically wrote the book on the genre. His films are dreamlike, meandering ruminations on the blurred lines between human, animal and technology, testing the limits of what our blood and pus-filled meat cages are capable of and what they might be ready for in the future. And Crimes of the Future is no different. Um, It's a welcome return to the filmmaker's body-bending concerns and evokes his prior meditations on the flesh. Although it does crumble a bit to find something new to say Mm -hmm. that he hasn't already said before. Uh, But there are at least a couple of new angles that keeps Crimes of the Future from feeling like just another Cronenberg body horror flick. Cronenberg uh, seems very interested in exploring Saul as a celebrity, the performance artist I was talking about. You yeah. know. And, and Viggo Mortensen's raspy, choked performance with his white hair evoking the filmmaker himself seems to me that Cronenberg is depicting him as a version of himself, mm-hmm. a reluctant visionary, one flanked by imitators and fans alike, someone who does body horror and other people who do body horror that imitate him. Uh, all of whom, you know, all these other. All these peers want to flatter him and get something out of it. And in the midst of all his futurism, Cronenberg takes a few key moments to remark on the nature of creativity. Um, A metaphor made at by Saul and Krippis' dynamic. Is he the artist because he grows the organs inside himself? Mm -hmm. Or is she the artist because she tattoos and removes them? Does the art come from raw material? Or the manipulation of that raw material? Mm -hmm. There are a lot of ideas in here, almost too many to fit into one motion picture. Um, subplots, like there's one about uh, rigged award shows where Saul is nominated for Best Original Organ. Uh, <laughs> they kind of um, disappear as quickly as they appear. And the film seems to end more abruptly than it should. There are so many ideas left teasingly incomplete to the point of the film feeling half-formed a bit. Yeah. Uh, but Cronenberg seems content to just give us a glimpse at an existential world where humanity is on the cusp of changing into something other uh, just kind of glancing momentarily at the numerous ways people might deal with it. While there are times when Cronenberg seems to be indulging in his trademark gross-out visuals for the sake of shock, Crimes of the Future is also darkly funny and consistently thoughtful, and for all its moments of extreme horror, it offers legitimate commentary on issues such as body dysmorphia and by extreme measures taken by individuals to owe, in order to carve, sculpt, or tattoo their bodies as evolving canvases of expression. Uh, all in all, I will give this a 7 out of 10. Oh. Not the best Cronenberg, but mm. a good return to form for Kronenberg. Like He's playing his he's playing his greatest hits once again. Uh, similarly, I'm going to review Solar Opposites Season 3 <laughs> right now. Out right now on Disney Plus in Singapore or Hulu if you live in America. Uh, the aliens of Solar Opposites who fled Earth after the destruction of their world Shlorp, have been hanging out in the suburbs for three seasons now and they've evolved as characters. Uh, that said, the show's ruthlessly body and snarky sense of humor remains (laughs) fully intact and by the end evolved doesn't necessarily mean evolved in a positive way at least on the point of view of mission leader corvo Um, at first in the season corvo remains committed to repairing their crash spaceship while the rest of the schloppians terry Yamulek, jesse and the pupa have grown fond of their lives they're stuffed full of american values like Prioritizing fun and individuality over productivity, they have the pursuit of silly hobbies and they run elaborate scams to get what they want. This disconnect uh, causes an urgent crisis in the season premiere, but it also sets off a big theme in the of the season in motion. Particularly as Corvo decides to give up on his mission to leave Earth and tries to set down roots, and genuinely, this is his quote: "I'm going to find a not. I'm going to find a non sci-fi purpose." Mm-hmm. Uh, so Corvo just wants to be a regular person. And together, the aliens begin to realize that they're far more functional when they act like a family, which they're not bad at, rather than a specialized team on a sci-fi mission, which they're terrible at. Uh, We see this especially in the relationship between Corvo and Terry, who feel like a genuine married couple this season more than ever before, albeit a freakishly competitive one. Uh, teens Yamilek and Jesse also have some nice moments of sibling bonding too. Uh, the pupa is mostly left to his own devices, uh, doing scams of his own, but Solo sort of opposite has great fun imagining his solo adventures while also reminding us that even though he looks like a baby, he is by far the smartest Schlopian in the group. Uh, not to mention he's also a stealth doomsday weapon. Yeah. Um, I won't be revealing specifics in the review because much of the fun of Solar Opposites comes from its rapid-fire, highly surreal escalations that come from a simple starting point. You know, all episodes start very simply, like standing in line or going to vacation or dealing with an annoying neighbour or having a soft spot for a certain cheesy 1990s action movie. But, and then it escalates in wild ways that you never expect, you know. in its third season, the show feels as energetic and clever as it ever, as it ever was, and it explores mundane yet he hila- uh, that mundane yet hilarious things. Mm-hmm. And its realm of core, acti- core characters is really, really good. Um, there's also a lot of high drama in, in its prominent subplots. Uh, the most prominent subplot is, of course, the latest development within the wall, which is a population of tiny humans unfortunate enough to cross paths with Yamu like any shrink <laughs> uh who have been shrunk down and they live inside. Uh, a terrarium in the aliens bedroom uh they've built up this tumultuous society inside this bedroom wall uh season one has been was this dystopian fantasy uh season two was a cop drama and season three introduces a new storyline uh into the wall which is uh which kind of threatens to take over the show in fact the wall stories have been better than the main show itself uh the show within the show is fantastic uh season three also introduces a new subplot a new storyline called uh, Involving a group called the Silver Cops, which is a group of intergalactic police officers, which is kind of, of kind of a mix of the Green Lantern Corps yeah. and the Vindicators from Rick and Morty. Um <laughs> okay. uh, all in all, I think Justin Roiland and co-creator Mike Mahan have managed to keep solar opposites fresh, funny, and emotionally compelling in season three. Something that the their other show, Rick and Morty, has kind of failed to do. So which is why I'm giving this an eight out of ten.
1: Nice.
0: Uh, I'm gonna quickly run through the rest. Next up, we am gonna be talking about Wellington Paranormal, uh, which we've talked about several times here before. Mm-hmm. If you've not heard about Wellington Paranormal, what is Wellington Paranormal? <laughs> well, it's uh, Mulder and Scully, but in a country where nothing happens. Uh, at least that's how Taika Watiti described uh, his What We Do in the Shadows spin-off. In fact, this was the first What We Do in the Shadows TV spin-off. Uh, it, it, it premiered even before the the hilarious FX uh, series premiered. So this was the original What We Do in the Shadows spin-off. Mm-hmm. You know? And across three seasons so far, That premise has has rung true In inventive and amusing ways This show has been reviewed Consistently well on genre and quality And it continues to be very solid In its fourth and final season This cops-esque mockumentary As usual follows New Zealand's Most unflappable yet incompetent Police officers Mm. as they investigate Supernatural crime Uh, Season 4 has them facing off Against a wicker man type cult Poltergeists, a bird woman monster A cursed jacket and even Satan himself. Uh, The finale is a really cool time travel episode where Minogue and O'Leary travel back in time and accidentally create an apocalyptic dystopian future. Uh, In that episode, we see a timeline where the paranormal squad never existed, and the world has been overrun by all the demons, monsters, zombies, and ghosts and aliens that they've stopped in previous seasons. So it's a great excuse to bring back old villains for the last episode, and show the audience how much these bumbling goofballs have actually achieved over the years. Uh, The show is really silly, it's funny, it's deadpan, and reliably amusing. It's not quite as great as FX's what we do in the Shadows. But Wellington Paranormal is good in its own right. So it's a seven out of ten for me. And farewell to Wellington Paranormal. Mm. Um, do you remember me talking about a show, a, a movie called The Witch Part One, the subversion last year?
1: Yeah, I do. I do.
0: Yeah, this it was a Park Honjung sci-fi Korean action film. Yeah. Uh, and The Witch Part One was a straight up banger of a superhero origin story. I gave it 8.5 out of 10 mm-hmm. three years ago. Mm-hmm. I still think it's fucking kick ass with one of the coolest dead act twi- twists I've ever seen. Uh-huh. Uh, and now the sequel comes along. It's called The Witch 2, the other one. Uh, so The Witch Part 1 was essentially introducing you into a world where. Various competing government factions experiment on kids to create super soldiers, Yeah. for which part two, subtitled the other one, is set in the same universe, but it's only loosely connected to the first film. Okay. The sequel follows a brand new superpowered girl and a brand new cast. Uh, so this new superpowered girl is called Cynthia. She escapes from a different government facility, and it's a much more complex and convoluted story than the first film, with way more characters on the board. Hmm. I think the big, neg- big negative the second film is that the writing does a poor job of establishing its gigantic cast of nefarious government agents, shady scientists, the new superpowered kids, uh, and the loved ones of the new superpowered kids. It lacks the focus precision of the first film. Mm-hmm. On the plus side, the bloodshed, gore, the action sequences, and the insane third act twist is all still present there, all aided by. The technological advancements of the last few years, so the show, uh, the the film looks a lot better now. the The VFX are a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, the there's also a post credits stinger that uh, that introduces the main goal from the Witch Part One oh. uh, back into the story. So I'm assuming uh, there will be a Witch Part Three with uh, the goal from Part One and Part Two teaming up. Uh, so while part two may be even bloodier and wilder and more visually impressive than the 2018 film, it kind of suffers from being the middle installment of a trilogy.
1: I see. Yeah.
0: You know, it's it's a bit less impactful, a bit less coherent because it's a world-building bridge to part three. Not a bad film. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying it's not as good as part one. So it's only a 6.5 out of 10 film. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, Last couple of things I'm going to review very quickly. Uh, Minions, The Rise of Gru (laughs) uh, is... Mm. Yeah, it's it. Uh, man, what do I say about this? <laughs> it, it, uh, the rise of Gru is is more of a minion compilation mm. than a, than a Gru prequel. Um, it kind of wastes its fun ideas and comedic setups in favor of disconnected slapstick gags, which may delight anyone wearing diapers, but will end up as a chore to anyone forced to sit through it. Ooh,
3: okay.
0: Uh, I admit it's colorful, it's madcap, it's zany, and it may not be suitable for all audiences, but it will definitely delight the one. That is made for. Its target demographic will love it. Yeah. Uh, that's fine for now. But this, if this franchise wants to survive, the next entry will have to take on a much tougher mission. You know, it has to stay silly, but he has to get a lot smarter. Yeah. Uh, this notion of the supervillain hero and the gibberish spouting minions who serve him remains an awfully thin premise to hang a film on, much less five films on them. Uh, and the franchise is running on fumes. So yeah, a four out of ten for me. Oof. Finally, I'm th- talking about BMX, which is uh, uh, Big Hero 6's second animated spin off series. Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes to the uniform of BMX. It's a gentle, jovial run of six mini episodes that's designed to comfort and delight. Um, every episode is around nine minutes each. So these short adventures uh, are very breezy. They feature the lovable, inflatable Dr. Bot BMX patrolling the bustling San Francisco uh, neighborhood uh, in search of those. Uh in need of medical and emotional assistance. It's light rewarding content for those looking for a brief reprieve. Uh, B Max is like um he's like a, a reverse terminator. Uh he is uh he is relentless in his mission to help others. Uh like you know, the terminator is chasing to kill you, he's chasing you to help yeah. you. And much, much <laughs> of the humor here comes in the form of, of his, his patient's reluctance to get a checkup. You know, mm. like we always have a reluctance to check ourselves. You know, uh, whether it is, is it going to a dentist or going to a doctor, um, our own stubbornness as humans to practice self care, or even our fear to face a diagnosis, collides with Baymax's programming to be both kind and logical. So more than a few of these chapters involves a chase scenario where the episode's patient literally scrambles to avoid Baymax's dopey determined care. Uh, the series not only reinforces the importance of community, but also the idea of people needing emotional support. And how often emotional support is related to physical health? Uh, a very busy yeah. and sweet series, nine episodes per episode, uh, nine minutes per episode. Seven out of ten for me. Uh, let's move on to the, your reviews to end uh, the episode. Let's kick it off yep. with something that premiered on Netflix recently: a film called The Sea yeah. Beast. Uh, what is it about, and what do you think about it?
1: Well, The Sea Beast brought to you uh, aptly enough by Chris Williams, who directed Big Hero Six. Uh, which is the yeah. main movie that Baymax is from? Uh, yeah, recently yep. debuted on uh, well, recently debuted in theaters as well as on Netflix. Uh, so the Seabees follows uh, a, a fictional world where, for hundreds of years, these gargantuan sea monsters uh, have surfaced and uh, wreaked havoc against mankind. Uh, in response mm-hmm. to that, many sailors have taken up arms and venture outwards on their ships to hunt these beasts, um, the most famous of which and the kind of centre focus of this uh, movie is the crew yep. of the, inevit- uh, the inevitable, uh, led okay. by a legendary Captain Crow, his first mate Sarah Sharp, and his adopted son, Jacob Holland, played by Carl Urban. Uh, essentially, mm. what goes on from there is that they have a small child who stows away and... Um, uh, gets sucked up into all the adventures as the crew of the inven- Inevitable hunt a legendary sea monster called the Rit Bluster, almost in a very Moby Dick-esque uh, sort mm. of way. Uh, during yep. this, uh, shenanigans ensue, and so does the drama, and uh, Jacob, as well as Maisie Brumbo, who is the child that I mentioned, uh, ends mm. up discovering interesting things about the sea beast. Uh, and the world that they live in, and perhaps all the stories that have been told to them since they were children, uh, there's more to that than it appears. Uh, I yeah. really, really enjoyed this film. There are moments in time where it, it, there's very strong How to Train Your Dragon vibes. Uh, particularly, I think, How to Train Your Dragon 3, right? Uh, where there's like a ton of dragons mm. and stuff like that. This The CB's really, really feels like that. Overall, it's a very well-told story about uh, found family exploration and discovery if you loved how to train your dragon this is essentially the same uh story but on the sea and with giant uh aquatic creatures instead Uh, right. but what i have to say is the uh the visuals are absolutely stunning uh, i think that was what caught me yeah. i put it on yeah late one night and i was just like oh my god Some of the underwater scenes are absolutely breathtaking. Uh, It is epic in scale and size. Uh, I have not seen sea battles in animation as good as what I've seen in the CBs uh, so far, Mm. and I think it's worth watching just for those scenes alone. Right? Like honestly, this entire movie has packs more great underwater scenes than the entirety of Aquaman, or Aquaman, right? Yeah. For that matter. Yeah. Yeah. So. uh, uh, highly recommend a watch uh, it's kind of easy breezy it's a short i think it's just under two hours if i'm not uh, if mm. i'm not mistaken um but okay. you know for anybody who's looking for kind of like a wholesome animated binge uh this is another uh, solid uh, outing from chris williams as well
0: definitely oh, okay um good review uh, how would you rate it again
1: i'm gonna give it a seven out of ten like a solid Seven any out, night of the, of the week. Uh if you yeah, if you have kids and stuff like that, like this will definitely be up your alley. I am gonna move on okay. to uh yep. my what you've tasked me with, which is the the yeah. incredible chore of watching the Resident uh, Evil T V series.
0: The live action Resident <laughs> also, Evil T V series on Netflix right now.
1: Yes. Yes. Oh man. Yep. So, what do, I so even what do you think about it? So Yeah. Uh for those of you that are not in the know, right, essentially the series is spread out over two timelines, right? You have uh present day, 2022 and uh, 2036, uh, 14 years into the future. Um, mm. In the past plot line, we, we follow the struggles of two young teen fraternal twins, Billy and Jade, uh, whose yep. father is, um, is uh basically works for umbrella co right and then we jump between that and 14 years into the future where basically uh everything that happens in resident evil has happened right uh zombies roam the earth mutants all of that uh and umbrella corporation is now the most powerful corporation in the world with a giant international manhunt for jade herself uh, in the interim, you kind of find out how things got they were. We jump to and fro between Jay trying to survive in 2036 and what her life is like as a tween in, in uh, 2022. Oh, yep. uh, man. I, I, so I gave this my best shot, guys. I only made it okay. for four episodes. And that was the okay. best I could do because this is a, yeah. a steaming pile of meh. Uh, it yeah. really, really is. I think um, just trying to, um, just trying to re reset um, the entire Resident Evil kind of franchise to like a modern day or our modern day setting here in twenty twenty two was painful to watch. Mm-hmm. Absolutely painful to watch. Mm. Right to hear Umbrella Corporation kind of, like, mentioned in the same breath as, you know, Facebook or Google or Apple and all of those jazz things. Like, it felt incredibly forced and extremely, uh, extremely uncomfortable for some reason, right? Like, it didn't feel Mm -hmm. natural in the least bit. Like, I think a lot of work needed to be done to establish, like, Umbrella Corporation or New Raccoon City, which is where much of this takes place, uh, as something that is realistically, you know, uh, within the world that we live in. Um, right. The high school teen drama that takes place as part of the 2022 timeline is mm-hmm. abysmal. Uh, it is yeah. not at all believable. It is not at all uh, enjoyable, right And it just serves as a very sh- like very poor veneer for what the plot needs to get to. Uh, which is very, very sad. Uh, all the way back into the future, when we jump 14 years, um, not enough zombies, not enough action. I will say some of the CGI is pretty solid. Uh, but outside okay. of that, I think the only saving grace, and even then that was not enough, is the fact that Lance Reddick is phenomenal in this show. Yep. Once again, yep. I think he was in an entire league of his own. Uh, Lance Reddick mm-hmm. of uh, you know, both The Wire and Fringe fame. Uh, yeah. basically plays like five or six characters in this show uh, and he yeah. aces all of them but even then it's not enough right An outstanding performance from Lance Reddick uh, was not enough to carry these very very poor eight episodes of a valiant if somewhat <sighs> ill-intentioned <laughs> um, mm. attempt at re I-, I don't know they just want to give it another shot right like I've said before honestly first resident evil movie put Mila Jovovich in a red dress give me incredible kind of like visuals and great CGI for its time right mm. and that's all it really needs to be to try and copy or expand or adapt from the incredibly complex and convoluted law of the games itself to give us a media Uh, a a piece of media like this requires so much more work and so much more care and so much more thought because the law in the video games isn't great in the first place you know and this is a very just a very very poor attempt I'm going to give it like a 3 out of 10 and only because Lance Reddick has some amazing scenes in the 4 episodes Mm. that I caught yeah
0: yeah uh, Lance Reddick Lance Reddick needs to contact his agent uh, and get him to contact David Simon uh, put him in his next show or something (laughs) yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, David Simon likes to reuse his actors. I'm sure he has a soft spot for Lance Reddick still. Uh get your career back on track, Lance Reddick. You know, yeah man. Uh you, you he he kind of went into this whole like sci-fi niche for himself with Lost and Fringe and all of that. But yep. uh get back to get back to David Simon lah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I'm tired of watching this amazing actor kind of be wasted. You
1: know? Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah. I agree. Uh, anyways, to cap off this episode will be uh a small portion of what I call quick hits classics. This time, I'm going to delve into what I've always privately considered to be my favorite anime film of all time. Mm. It is Wolf Children. Uh, Mamaru Hosada's Wolf Children is my number one anime of all time film, that, that is. Um, over the years, stuff like Paprika, Your Name, Grey for the Fireflies, A Silent Voice, Princess Mononoke, have all competed for that spot over the years, I think. But in the end, I've always settled on wolf children as my number one. Yep. Um, it's been a decade, but I finally re-watched this masterpiece uh, a couple of months ago. And I'm more assured than ever of that pick. If you've never seen this gorgeous and gentle fairy tale, you should do so immediately. Um, mm-hmm. It follows a sweet girl named Hannah who meets and falls in love with a wolf man in college. She soon gets pregnant and is forced to raise their two children alone after he unexpectedly dies. What begins as a quiet, lycanthropic love story uh, quickly transforms into an amazing tale of the struggle and perseverance of a single mother. In order to protect her children's half wolf natures from prying eyes, Hana moves the family to the countryside and it becomes this beautiful tale about the quiet joys and endless exhaustion of parenthood. Not only does Hana have to raise kids with wilder instincts than most, She also has to protect the secret. She has to make ends meet by learning farming from scratch. Mm. And let me tell you, this is the one enemy that doesn't hand-wave away the back-breaking labour of working the land with a montage. Mm. Much of the film's middle is dedicated to Hana learning the process of farming through trial and error. Her life is blood, sweat and tears, but it all feels worth it because of her kids. This is the rare enemy made for parents instead of children. Mm -hmm. Um... But then as the years pass, the third act transforms again and then it becomes an adolescent coming-of-age fantasy as the two kids grow up in different directions and pursue separate paths. Uh, the wild and sturdy daughter who is at home in nature uh, is surprisingly the one who becomes invested in becoming a full-time human once she starts school and begins forming a social life with friends and crushes and stuff. Meanwhile, the sickly son, who prefers the city to countryside, uh, to the countryside, starts to embrace his wolf side. In the mm. end, uh despite Hannah's reservations about the dangers of either path, she comes to terms with letting her children choose their own way. Something that every parent has to go through. Uh Wolf Children is a beautiful, bitters- bittersweet, unhurried, uh downright painterly film. It's mm. everything I love about anime storytelling. You know, it's it was a ten out of ten for me uh ten years ago, it's still a ten out of ten for me now. Uh, have you seen Wolf Children, uh Issa?
1: Yes, I actually rewatched *Wolf Children* uh, like two years ago at the beginning of the pandemic. I was just going through some like all the old anime stuff that I had, uh, and I came across *Wolf Children*, and I did watch it. It is sure. incredible. Uh, and I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll be remiss that I haven't actually mentioned it until you have uh, this time mm. around. I Highly, highly recommend it. I think it's one of those rare enemies that. Have gotten lost because anime's have become so huge and so popular now that mm. um, the form of storytelling that maybe has come back with films like Your Name and and uh, Sign of Voice uh, is has kind of uh, disappeared for a while, buried underneath all the shonen stuff, you know that yep. we've been getting
2: for so yep, many yep, years.
1: Yep, yep. Uh, but yeah, beautiful, beautiful film, very incredibly memorable. Uh, and something mm. that, much like Grave of the Fireflies, will stick with you for a very, very long time.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I especially love that it. it was made for parents. It's a film about parenthood. Yeah. Uh, it's not about... I mean, yeah, It's to an extent, it's about the children, but it's mostly about the e- endless exhaustion of raising kids. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's amazing, yeah. Uh, go give this a watch if you haven't. Uh, so yeah, that wraps it up for this episode of Genre Equality. Uh, we'll be back we'll take a bit of a hiatus but we'll be back next month to talk about the americans on behold as -hmm. well as genre equality 57 uh lots of stuff to talk about next month as well including uh something highly anticipated the live action adaptation of the sad man is out on Mm, netflix yes uh yeah i mean that looks to be probably the most hyped uh title out next month we'll also be talking about the final season or not final season the third season of uh, for all mankind I'm uh, really happy to talk about that one as well. I think me and Hadi, uh, we it's the show we talk about most over text, so you get to check that out too. Um, <laughs> yep. Paper Goals will be getting a live-action adaptation soon um, on Amazon Prime. It technically debuts this month, but this episode is recorded before that, so I'm going to push it to next month. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to be talking about Tuka and Bertie. I'm going to be talking about the Predator prequel, Prey. Uh, nope will be out next month as well, Jordan Peele's latest sci-fi film. Yep. Uh, and I'm gonna begrudgingly talk about Westworld and uh, <laughs> Jamie Foxx's vampire movie called Day Shift and stuff like that. Um, I've assigned Isa Fong to Tekken Bloodline. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Ish. We'll I don't see. know how that how that's gonna we'll turn s- out. We'll it's see. an it's we'll an anime see. though. It looks it looks fun. Um, yeah. And I'm gonna I'm gonna catch up on the Star Trek animated shows that I've not been reviewing over the past year. So mm-hmm. if you wanna hear my thoughts about Lower Decks and Prodigy, this next episode is the time to do it. Uh what are you most looking forward to?
1: Oh man. Uh I, I think definitely Sandman for sure. Right. Mm. Uh that and nope. Uh I, I think these two will be the big ones for me next month. Uh because right. like love, love the Sandman books. I don't know how many times I've read and reread everything.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um super interested in how they're gonna bring that to life. Uh I mean Gaiman is fully on board, uh, but that's not saying much necessarily given how American yeah. gods went for season yep. two. Uh but yep. yeah, stunning stuff, amazing cast. Um I love what they did with the um uh, the audiobooks. Uh so I'm super, super hyped for this. Uh hopefully it uh, they put good use, uh, put Netflix money to good use. So mm, you see how that goes.
0: 100 percent agree. Uh yeah, uh till next time then. Uh, this has been Hitzer.
1: Ah my sir.
0: Goodbye, guys.
1: Ciao.